it's a new year y'all and for me i've never been one to do resolutions i do solutions and for the past almost two years i've been drinking ag1 every single day thanks to my brother dr andrew huberman who turned me on to this incredible product every day every morning no exceptions just one scoop and a glass of water they also make packs that you can travel with that's been very very helpful for me as a active touring person having these packets with me all around the world has been really really helpful so if you're a musician or some of you that is always on the go the travel packs are incredible ag1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins minerals and pre and probiotics it's very powerful it's very healthy and it's really simple man healthy aging shouldn't feel complicated the thought of taking multiple supplements and all these types of vitamins and stuff and powders it's truly exhausting for me I never been one to take a lot of uh, multivitamins anyway throughout my whole life. I always prided myself in just eating vegetables and eating all the stuff I need naturally, not in a pill form. So this is incredible. It covers my nutrient gaps. It supports my mental and physical health. AG1 is hassle-free, 60 seconds every morning. It's the high-quality ingredients of pre and probiotics, adaptogens and antioxidants, and whole food-sourced nutrients. I drink it every single day. Every batch of AG1s goes through rigorous testing processes and their ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. If there's one product I can suggest you guys is the AG1s, man. This has been a life changer for me. So go to ag1.com slash OLLC and you can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. With AG1, I know I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support, vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients for the day. And it's helped my mental and physical. So if there's one thing I can uh, recommend to you guys, it's AG1s. It's my nutritional insurance. I pride myself as almost being 54 years old, not going to the doctor all the time. Knock on wood. I've been healthy my whole life and try to strive to be a healthy person, stay young, stay full of energy, and still do the things I love that I did as a kid. That's why I still skateboard, play music, exercise. So start the year off right. AG1. AG1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. If you want to just get Liquid Death water, go to amazon.com. But for the merchandise and other cool items, exclusive items, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Are you good, Derek? Check, check, check. I'm good, thank you. <clears throat> I gotta talk loud. Yeah, oh, you gotta talk loud. You're great. Okay. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today I have uh, my brother, Mr. Derek Green. Hi. Thank you, D-Block, for being here. Thanks for having me, I Toby you. Morris. You've been on tour for a minute, and you're back, so now welcome back. Back. Back in um, my hood. My next guest, he's been on here briefly. We did a 20-year anniversary of H2O, and we had like all the people who have been part of our career, and he was one of the phone calls I made, but now he's here in person our first manager, our best manager, and my, my brother for life, Mr. Vaughn Lewis. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Thank you for being here, Vaughn. Thanks for having me. Is this your first in-person podcast? Yes, it is. Ever. Sick. First I'm nervous. podcast <laughs> ever. I'm and, nervous. And, you were in the, and you're the first one wearing the heavies. You're rocking the heavy samples right now, you thanks to good. Derek Green. They looking good. Thank how you. they, how like they sound? They sound great. 
Oh, they man. sound great. They feel great. I'm into these. For okay. the listeners, that's the new headphones that's coming out. That's right. That's right. And Made it, by some East Coast peeps that we all know. Yeah. Somehow, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure of all their names, but right, right. But they're 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 out there now, and a lot of bands are getting into it and hooked up. Hopefully, very soon. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye. We'll out be promoting them. them, right, Derek? Absolutely. And uh, Vaughn just turned them on, and and Derek's voice is actually the first thing you hear in there, right? Shell blocker activated. Hell, hell, <laughs> hell blocker. Hell blocker activated. activated. That's right. Hell blocker activated. Um, that's pretty sick. I'm like, I know that voice. That's like your first kind of voiceover kind of gig, in a it, sense. It kind of is in a sense. Yeah, You're right. It was a lot of fun to do. It's great, you know. Like they asked for a million different voices, but uh, I was curious of which one they would use. And choose, it's great, but it's yeah. These feel nice. I'm a, I'm a headphone crazy person i've got like 50 pairs of headphones damn yeah so okay. these, you have, we have tried the sure ones these sure ones too which you know i've never tried those all right we're trying I've never to sponsor the pod right now do like we sponsor the pod right now but yeah oh um <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> whoops before before we get into von lewis i just want to say <laughs> oh just just before we get into von lewis i want to say that um max just grabbed Derek's shoulders the white shadow just came up on me <laughs> i want i want to just real, real quick because uh, I hadn't seen Derek in like a million years and we became really close during the pandemic. I hadn't seen him perform at Sepultura. I got to see him months back when they, at the Belasco. It was a great show. But we, me, me and Vaughn, we all got to see them a couple months ago on this recent tour um, with Creator. And I just want to say, Derek, you were fucking awesome. Oh, thank you. Off the hook. The, the vocals, the, the light show, how tight the band was. Max, all, all, every single person, we're all blown away by the show. And I love the different chapters of Sepultura that I hear your voice change and then mm-hmm. to your songs that you've been part of. And it was great, man. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. Man. Really it meant a lot guys. that you guys were there. You know, we, we all have a lot of long history. So it was great to have like that support and be like a hometown gig and just have everything go properly. You know, because yeah. so many things can go wrong. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a little bit nerve wracking. Because I'm never really nervous before a show, but hometown type shows are always yeah. insane. But it meant a lot that you guys were there. Though. Yeah, it, it must have felt good. It was a really yeah. and L.A. can be fickle sometimes. You don't yeah. really know what to get at an L.A. show. But it was. Whew, what do you think, Vaughn? As a music, I saw it a week and a half ago. I think in New York, I was blown away. I could not believe how amazing the band was. The show was off the hook. Where was that in New York? At the Palladium, which is the old, the uh, the Best Buy. Okay, the, yeah, yeah, Best Buy Theater. I've yeah. never been there when it was the Best Buy, so it was our first time. It was like Times Square. It's weird. That place is insane. It's weird being in Times Square. It's weird. And when's the last time you saw Sepultura before that? I was trying to think. It's a long time ago. We were um, saying that was like the VOD Earth Crisis tour. Damn. Like I think that was the first time. Okay. And then I think I saw you guys shortly after. You know what it was? It was at that Orion Festival. The Metallica Festival. Oh, my God. In that Jersey. was the last time I saw you guys. Yes. Yeah. That, that was, was weird that they were yeah. like, let's do a festival here. And I was like, I know why they did it here. Because they got a probably a, a better deal. A better deal. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. it's. I mean, that was, oh, that that was, was a long a time ago. Gig. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into your life, Ron Lewis. Yeah. Why, sure. What's up, Ron? <laughs> Before you became the manager that you are today and everything, I want to get back into your history about you know, growing up. Yeah. Um, Where'd you grow up? Queens. Queens. Yeah. Queens, New York. Still in Queens. Left Rock City. What part of, oh, okay. Right. Akinelli. 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 You know who, I tell you who, who grew up, who spent some time in Left Rock that Left Rock doesn't get credit for this, but Prodigy. 
Wow. Everybody thinks Prodigy grew up in Queensbridge. Okay. Prodigy grew up in Long Island and then used to stay at Left Rock and then used to stay with Havoc in Queensbridge. He actually wasn't from Queensbridge. Did I know that he's- yeah. I didn't I didn't know him, but I used to see him. I'll never forget when Mob D put out their first video on the on the very first record and seeing him and I'm like, I know that kid. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So how was it growing up for you in Queens? Um it was fine. I mean, I grew up. I was an I was an only child. Yeah, I had you know two West Indian parents. They were you know, they were kind of strict, but I also they were straight. They they were first generation. Yeah, they, yeah. I was I'm first generation. I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were. I want to say my dad came here three years before I was born, and my mom came. My dad came four years before I was born. My mom came three years before I was born. Gotcha. And they were, um, you know, they were new to the country, and you know they were kind of, you know, they were kind of strict. But I kind of was able to get them to, you know, Chill loosen out a up bit. a little bit. But because you but were a good kid, know, right? What was that? You're a good kid. I was. I was. This went out. Oh, hey, uh, that that I got the good. I got the headphones at work. You want some of those? You want the sure oh, ones oh that we had God. originally? What are you doing, <laughs> man? Joe, you gotta edit that. Come on, Toby. you can edit that, it. Joe. I got it. All right, okay. Yeah, I got it was it. just loose. I'm the just wire. Ta- I'm man. just telling you. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Joe, take that out. I'm just kidding. Oh my God. I'm just saying, bro. These guys sponsor my I pod. Mean, Yo, sure, sponsor the pod. I'm just doing this. I'm trying these out, man. <laughs> got my, got my, got my guest. He can't hear himself now. You good, Vaughn? Yep. You bring it back. You can edit all that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you were a good kid. There's really nothing to worry about. Yeah, I was a pretty good kid. I mean. My thing was always, and looking back at it now, it's kind of funny because I realized that probably from a kid, I always just kind of could figure things out. Yeah, which, which kind of makes sense with what I do now. So I, totally. you know, I figured out how to like do stuff and not get in trouble. Yeah, you know. Were you good in school? Yeah, I was pretty. I was really good in school. I was really good in school. You I liked mean, it? Um, uh, you know, I don't know if I liked it. I think. I think what it is with me was because I had strict parents, I kind of recognized that if I just take care of certain things on my end, that it just made life easier. Totally. Um, yeah. But so, not like crazy strict rules and stuff, curfews and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, here's what I, here's the thing. I, I like when I was like a teenager, I couldn't like go out to shows and stuff. All my friends were, you know, you know, 12, 13, taking the train into the city. Okay. I could not do that. Unless, like, an adult was there, I, I couldn't do that. So They're worried about you, yeah. So it was, so, I didn't have those, like, super young experiences. Um, high school, when I went to high school, I went to high school in Manhattan. Uh, okay. okay. So. How does that happen when you're in Queens? You're gonna... So I, I went to, like, um, I guess now they'd call it a magnet school. Okay. It was It was a public high school. That you have to take a test to get in. Okay. And I got in, and I went, and that was when the kind of the shackles started to kind of come off a mm. little bit because I was taking the train into the city. So, by yourself? I mean, by myself, yes, but With then there were a bunch of kids yeah. in the neighborhood from you know different years that also went to the same junior high school that yeah. were also going to this high school. So you'd run into people. But, but for the most part, you know, I was alone. Yeah. And um so at that point I started to get, you know, I could negotiate a couple of shows. Yeah. Um 
and just being in the city in general, Already. that kind of like Some freedom changed everything because you know I could, you know I could go walk to a record store, mm-hmm. yeah, and my parents wouldn't, you know, they're not with me twenty four seven, yeah. So. And where I went to school it was basically right near the village, so perfect. That's when I discovered, you know, Bleaker Bob's and right. Second Coming and what Soul year Rock this? and Roll. This would have been '86. Wow. Yeah. '80s in New York is way different, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Scary. Oh, yeah. No wonder why your parents really take the train and they just realized <laughs> right, that. Yeah. Talking well, the '80s. What's, what's talking about like now? What, what's funny though is when you think about it, like we were all living in the moment. Yeah. It's like you know now people talk about. You know how stuff is weird and stuff is yeah. dangerous in places, and yes, it's true. But I think about like I grew up in New York in the eighties. Yeah, like yeah. it's completely different. You know, like back then you weren't walking around, you know, with headphones. True. you were aware. True, <laughs> you were always waiting for something to happen. You know, so you know, I just look at it as just getting back to that 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 mindset. You and know, you're, and also just. Coming from parents that are immigrants, I'm sure they're extremely cautious. You know, being in no doubt about massive it. city. I mean, they're yeah. from the West Indies. Like when you say West Indies, like I'm totally naive to. Uh, I'm surprised because you're really good in all kinds of places. Oh, I, I, yeah. I am. That's why I was like curious. Like, uh, like what have you ever gone to? Oh where yeah. They were? So, so they they were from Antigua. Antigua, okay. yeah. That's what I, okay. So Antigua is it's 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 Antigua and Barbuda. Bar- yeah. Um, you know, it's not f- not far from Puerto Rico, not far from Jamaica. So I used to go every year from when I was, I think, I was six until when I was fifteen. Oh wow! And I would go at least once a year. That's Sometimes cool. I would go twice. Like if a relative died, yeah. I'd go twice yeah. a year. Um, and so and that was that was really interesting because I remember the first the first time that I remembered going I remembered going and we stayed at a, a at some family's house and I remember my mother I went with my mother and I went I remember getting to this house and then her telling me okay you could go over to the house next door your cousins want to say hi mm. and I walked and my mother never let me like I was seven or something right never let me like go anywhere by myself. Now, granted, it was literally next door. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know, like, who I was going to see. And then I remember, like, these kids just started running to me. And it was like, you know, it's like one of those things back then where you know, like, you have these cousins in New York. And right. you know the you family, have these cousins yeah. in Antigua. That's and, awesome. And so that was like... A whole new world of family. It was too. like a whole new world of family. And yeah. it was like, you know, I could, I could be free. That's cool. They yeah. used to have this thing called Carnival every yeah. summer, and I would go. And I had these, uh, I must have been maybe 12 or 13 at this point, and I had these older cousins that were like 16, 17. And you would go to like whatever the competition was that night. I think it was like the, the Calypso King competition. And I would go with them by myself. And then like at 4 or 5 in the morning, was was called Juve, which was basically when the trucks roll out in the street a band is playing. It's cool. People are like dancing behind the the truck, and the truck is moving, and the town is shut down. Sick. I remember my mother let me like go with my cousins. Like we, you know, we went to the show, stayed up all night. G- you know, got up in the morning. Well, didn't get up in the morning. We were out all night. Dang. <laughs> and then we were like dancing behind the trucks. That's awesome. And then I got in at noon and slept. Wow. You know, 
Um, That's amazing. So yeah. maybe that was, you know, that was the beginning of uh, of my life. But I guess the one thing I got have to say for my parents is they were big music people. Okay. And that's definitely where a lot of stuff came from. My mom was into like James Brown. Awesome. Wilson Pickett. Um, she liked uh, like like fifties um, like dance. You know, uh, you know, Little Richard, mm-hmm. Jerry Lee Lewis, stuff like that. And my dad was definitely like a rock guy. He was into the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, the Who. Awesome. Um, so they play like types of music in the house and stuff. Going play that. You know, it was funny enough. They played a lot of that music in the house, and then at some point, um, we actually grew. Actually, we actually lived in Far Rockaway in the very beginning, and then we moved uh, to Left Rock City when I was like six or seven. And I remember my dad. They like kind of packed away a lot of their vinyl. They would buy new stuff and play the new stuff, but when I, I remember when I first like got into it, I remember like my dad showing me like his closet, yeah, like in the bottom where everything was, you know, I had to pull everything out to get to it, and it was like, you know, like a like a whole new world for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when I was probably about ten when that happened, and that's when like it's finding music and stuff, going through the records. Yeah, and- going through the records, and you know. Hearing about records I heard on the radio and like my dad had them. And yeah, was, you know it's like a big you know now that's nothing. And how did we get to like... King Diamond from there? <laughs> <laughs> he was dressed as King Diamond on Halloween. That's it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> I'm just wondering how you found the heavier stuff in yeah. the trailer. So <laughs> I like that segue. That's a good one. Thank so <laughs> for for me for sure, there was always different kind of people in my life that like expose me to things yeah uh, and i'm always the kind of person if i get exposed to something and i like it you deep dive more i will deep dive even yeah. more and then i'll end up you know knowing more than the people who showed it to me totally you know? so um it's probably like elementary school like third grade damn um i had this one friend or group of friends that were like into rock they were into like like at that time it was like you know, ACDC. Um, I was already like into Zeppelin. Standard classics. Yeah. Like, so ACDC at that time was kind of like a somewhat newer thing. So it wasn't something that my dad would have really been, yeah. would have exposed me to. Um, it was pretty hard too back then. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty heavy back then. Yeah. So, like ACDC, um, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and then in the early 80s, on the onset of like Thrash, you know, we were going to these record stores, and at that point, there would be like two times a year my parents would let me go with my friends. This is before high school, and like ten of us would get on the train, we'd go into the village, and we'd go to all the record stores. Sick. And you know, we'd all like look at the covers, and we were buying records based on the co- you know, on the covers. Uh, yeah. And um. One of my friends bought a Merciful Fate record, and you know I really liked it. And the, that was the, it. The though. Halloween story, though, is a kind of a funny one. <laughs> That's a funny one. It was freshman year of college, or sophomore year—I can't remember. Sophomore year of college, and there was a Halloween party, and I wasn't going to go. So, um, at the last minute, I decided to go. I had no costume, and I was going to go as Homie the Clown for nice. For, <laughs> Living color in living color yeah. for you know younger people that might not know where that's from. <laughs> and, uh, that was sick. 
and like I couldn't find a nose, you know. So, <laughs> so I wasn't gonna go. And this girl, I was talking to this girl. I'm like, yeah, out of my costumes, a mess. I don't really have anything. And she's like, oh, you should just paint something else then. She's like, I can paint it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can you paint this? And I took out the record, and she did it. Someone down the the hall had a wig. And I yeah. put it on. Wow. <laughs> it's perfect. We, we're, when I post this pod, we're posting that picture. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so classic. So Merciful Fate was like the first kind of hard record you found. Yeah, like, like that. Yeah, I mean, and shortly after. Because you deep dive that, you yeah. find all kinds of shit. Well, shortly after, we all got into Metallica. Um, I'll never forget, my friend bought, um, we, we had, he, had like, he had like the first two records, and it was at the time, it was kind of like too heavy for us. We right. kind of was like, wow. you know, we kind of make fun of it. We'd listen to it and we're like, yeah, this is crazy, you know. <laughs> and then I remember, even though we thought it was crazy, when Master Puppets came out, yeah. I bought the record. Even though, like, in my mind, I didn't really, I wasn't really a fan. Yeah. I'll never forget, I went to my friend's house, we put it on, we listened to it. And we were like, yeah, it's better. I don't know if I get this. <laughs> And then at some point, I was, you know, we, listened, we kept listening to it. Right. And it's, I guess it's just something that you do when you're young kids. You yeah. kept listening to it. And then finally, I'm like, I think I kind of like this. And my friend was like, yeah, I think I kind of like this too. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. It was pretty, like, I mean, yeah. kind of shocking at that time, Metallica coming out, that style. I think. Uh, what was comparison to that at the time? Well, I wasn't really into metal either. Mm-hmm. I, at, at the very beginning I was really into like rock stuff like you were saying ACDC was like the heaviest Judas Priest mm-hmm. was like the okay, heaviest that, that's right. Maiden was like yep. really heavy. Yep. But then with Metallica it was like a step higher and, and faster? And, and, faster and faster for sure. And, uh, and Ride the Lightning for me was the album that my friend, just the name though I was just like metal nah. yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna like this and then I just remember like hearing it having the album cover was like Oh shit! Like the quality of the sound yeah. was another thing because yeah. the hardcore punk scene, not the greatest recording nah. quality on a lot of stuff, and I was mm. just like impressed. And again, looking at the album, looking, turning it over, seeing those guys with like Misfit stickers or Dead Kennedy, you know, like punk. I was like, okay, so they kind of have this attitude, kind of punk yeah. attitude. Yeah. And so then I was like, I'm gonna give it a chance. And then I was, I just never turned back. And yeah. Master of Puppets was like, out of like. Blew me away. But you were already into but, punk and hardcore. Yeah, I was way into punk and hardcore. I was like, man, nah, metal, whatever. I don't really relate. To Did it. you see him wearing a Misfit shirt on one of those records or something? Like, oh yeah, because yeah. you oh, went yeah. like metal to punk yeah. to hardcore. Right? Well, so I always, I was always into hardcore. I was into hardcore pretty early. Okay. The the difference was is that I never, like, I didn't see any of those bands. Like, I couldn't go to CBGBs and go to matinees yeah. that, that young, and. You know, back then, you didn't have, like, you know, they weren't in, like, magazines. Yeah. They weren't, you know, they weren't, they weren't, there weren't videos. There weren't places right. you could see them. But I was, I was into it. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mention kind of some of the, some of the people, you know. Um, so my, so the friend that, like, kind of got me into rock um, was an old friend of mine, I know you guys know he was Steve Poss's yeah. younger brother. Okay. Steve Poss. Yeah. His brother, okay. He was his younger brother. So okay. Steve Poss was three years older than me. 
and um, you know, Steve was going. You know, he was like the kid who was. You know, he was. I mean, I don't remember one hundred percent. He might have been like kicked out of my elementary school. <laughs> Maybe he was kicked out of my junior. Uh, my, my, my rest in peace, Steve Paz. Yeah, he might have been kicked out of my junior high school. I don't. I don't remember. But he was like a. You know, he was kind of like a bad kid in the neighborhood. Right. And and he was going. You know, he was going to shows in the city. He must have been like ten. I'm Damn. sure. Yeah, I've seen like photos and stuff. Yeah. So he would. Kind of a funny thing. Him and his brother did not get along. Like, did not get along yeah. for for. I mean. Just for whatever reason. Yeah. It's a known fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for whatever reason, Steve always liked me. So I would like go over to, I spent a lot of time in that house and I would, you know, I would go through his records. Wow. And he would let me borrow some of the records. So I was aware of like, you know, Black Flag, Beastie Boys, Dead Kennedys, Mm -hmm. um, all that stuff early. Um, but I didn't like get to experience it. Yeah. You know? um, so, like the metal to me at the time, like the metal stuff was kind of like uh, a variation. You know, I guess Most of a Fate was probably a little was probably a little different. Yeah. But then there were elements of Maiden and and even and even Priest that to me like early Priest that kind of had like a punk vibe to it. Yeah. Mm. And then certainly Metallica kind of brought that. The first. The first hardcore band I got to see in in person, and this is definitely um, you know kind of changed it for me. Um, I went to see Anthrax at the at the Beacon Theater. This was um, like nineteen eighty seven, so I'm in high school. Crossover. Um, and I had a f- friend from high school who was like you know the one guy that would go to like these shows with me. Um, Shout out to David Capper. He lives out here now in L.A. Nice. Um, and we went to see Antics and the Cromags, and we sat Ooh. in the first balcony on the Be- in the Beacon Theater. So, like, first row up top, you know, and the, wow. you know, the level is a little pushed over, so you're kind of, like, on top of the floor. Right. I'll never forget, like, the Cromags come out, and it was, <laughs> like, and, and everybody's, like, standing on their chairs on the floor. And then after like the first two songs, John Trotsky was like, "All right, I want to see you motherfuckers move. Everybody's got to move." People started diving into people standing on their chairs. Jumping it was all chairs, chairs, yeah. But they were di- they were they were flat out diving, so it was like dominoes. You just oh see rows of wow. people like just wiping out. That's so sick. And and I was. Petrified, <laughs> sitting in the balcony watching, <laughs> you know, and that's some crazy shit. And yeah. that was like it. And then you know, at that point, you know, CBS was kind of wasn't like as happening. It was more like the Ritz. And when I could, again, I was still I was still in high school. You know, when I could figure out how to negotiate, because that was that was the thing when I was a kid. It was, you know. I could only negotiate but so much. Yeah. So I had to kind of like you know pick my battles. But um for me, you know, music honestly, it's always you know, I mean there's also hip hop. Totally. I was really, you know, I had a I had an aunt and uncle 
my aunt was like three years older than me, and my uncle was six years older than me. So they were almost more like an older sister and, and brother, yeah. kind of. And they lived, you know, my mom moved, after after my grandfather died, my mom moved her mother and uh, her three younger kids to New York, and then they ended up living like in another building in Left Rock City. So like, you know, my uncle was into you know, all the hip hop that was happening yeah. in the 80s. Um, and then my aunt was into all like the R&B that was, that was happening. So, you know, for me, it was always kind of, it was all of it. Um, I would say definitely the punk rock and the hardcore and elements of the hip hop are what kind of like really spoke to me and how, yeah. how I was growing up and what I was seeing around me. And Flesh Street Queens was so much hip hop. Yeah. Driving. So much, so and much hip hop. hardcore too though. Yeah. So much. Yeah. And, um, and, but I think punk rock and hardcore especially, I mean, I th- we, you know, we all say it, it kind of has this, um, goes hand in hand, especially in yeah. New York, I feel. Well, especially yeah. New York at that time. I mean, punk, I mean, you know, back in those days, like you would go to hip hop shows and you'd see, you know, metal people at, at some of these shows. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, was that see, that Public Enemy Anthrax crossover thing? This, kind was, of? That, this was before that. Before that, yeah, this yeah, yeah. Before that, but yeah. but you know, remember uh, a guy like Scott Ian from Anthrax? He was wearing a Public Enemy shirt on stage. Totally. Yeah. You know, years before that true. collaboration happened. It's true. So that was like a very mm. New York thing, and then even before I started, like you know, going places. I mean, you would hear stories about you know people going to the Danceteria and yes. you know. Murphy's Law and the Beastie Boys and Madonna and Run DMC and all people are, hang, are all hanging out, yeah. you know. Such um, a melting pot in New York for all that, especially yeah, during that time. Yeah, I mean. but and I also think it was also, you know, there's definitely like this thing where I think with specifically though with punk rock and hardcore, there is a thing where like when you kind of don't fit in, you know, cleanly somewhere. That has just that scene just has a way of speaking to you. Mm-hmm. It just has a way yeah, of man. of of making you feel like you know you're not crazy or you know. And it all look everything, everything, every scene, every you know. There's problems everywhere, but that was definitely the one that kind of like drew you in. It just just drew me in. Like it just you just felt like you could be yourself, and you weren't you know you weren't crazy for being. When did you different. realize? When did you realize it was a crazy scene though? Because New York had some crazy. We, we we've been through characters. all those times yeah. together. A lot like, of characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I can't say in the mid to late '80s I was in it, hanging out like that. I yeah, knew yeah, yeah. I knew people. I went to college for four years. Graduated college. What was your major? Um, it was like a liberal arts major. I was going to go to law school. Yep. What school did you go to? I went to Binghamton, SUNY Binghamton, upstate. upstate. Now, now it's called Binghamton University, but SUNY Binghamton, upstate New York. Um, so, I, so no thoughts of doing anything in music or anything? Oh, no. Or, I, or, or, or photography? I always wanted to. Photography, for sure, was never a thing. Okay. Um, I did. I knew I wanted to work in the music business. Okay. My thought was that I was going to go to law school. So as a kid, I used to like read a lot of music magazines and I used to read a lot of trades mm. um, you know something I had never told a bunch of people my, my, my dad was like um, was like an office worker essentially at a booking agency for a long time wow he you know he didn't do anything special he literally you know 
you know, just worked in the office like a, like a desk job. And he used to bring home like Billboard magazine. Nice. And he would bring home like you know some free records from stuff they were they were working on. And I would just read Billboard from cover to cover. Wow. Um, and then I was also the kid who like put the record on, sat with the vinyl, read the lyrics, right. read all the liner notes. Thank you, list. Um, yeah. Thank you, list. Wow. All of that. So. I knew I, and I, I was also the, the person when I was young, like my friends would expose me to things, but I was the one as time went along that would find something and be like, oh, I really like this, you know? And then a year later, that thing would be like the biggest thing on the planet. Wow. And, you know, my friends would be like, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Mm. So in my mind, I knew I wanted to work in music. The only thing I really understood was like record labels and the business aspect to it. Like the business aspect to it, the talent part of it, mm-hmm. the the finding. I, th- I thought I had an ear, mm-hmm. so I kind of envisioned that maybe I could. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't know how or how you know how I was going to do, it, but I envisioned that maybe I could be one of these guys that could like discover people. Mm-hmm. And over time, I learned that that was called A and R. But yeah. <laughs> You know, so that's kind of what, so the law school thing was a lot of like the, historically, a lot of the big executives, guys like Clive Davis. Yeah. There were, you know, you had guys that, like, you had, you had a guy like David Geffen who started in the mailroom and like he, he lied about going to college. I don't know if you ever heard that story, but, um, and then you have a guy like Clive Davis who was a lawyer. So, and there was a lot of those. My envi- I envisioned that I would go to law school and that I wouldn't practice law, but I would kind of get in on a business angle and then somehow move over to A&R. Damn. And then three years in college, and I was like, I'm not going to law school. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if this will help anybody, but I, I remember <laughs> junior year sitting in a lecture, 200 kids in the lecture and the students were kind of arguing about something with the teacher, with the professor. And the professor said, and she clearly was someone who, I don't know if she had gone to law school, I don't know what her deal is, but she was really blunt and really direct. And she said, you know, you people think you're going to go to law school and change the world. And, and maybe you might. But just know when you go to law school, they tell you, you know, how to think. They tell you how to interpret the law. Yeah. They, they, their job is to, you know, tell you how to think. And I remember thinking, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. And so I gave up that dream real fast. And then the idea was I was going to go and try to, like, get a job at a labor right out of school. Mm. Were you taking photos into it shows? Nope. Wow. Nope. So there's a good story behind that. So the summer of before my senior year of college, I did an internship at Epic Records. Where um, Pass worked. Where Pass worked. Correct. So I, um, you know, I old school. I I must have sent out like fifty letters to different companies looking for an internship. And I did two interviews, I think, uh, Chrysalis and another one. Chrysalis Records, well, I remember that. And I, and Chrysalis basically said, all right, well, 
you know, here's the deal. You'll be getting, you know, you'll probably be getting people coffee. You'll be running errands. But you'll be around it. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and so before I started it, and this, this goes back to Steve Pass, and this is just like dumb luck, you know, him and his brother are, are hanging out because, again, they were not friends. They didn't really get along. But I think one of their family members was sick, and they were having dinner with their mom, and the mom was asking Brian, you know, what's Vaughn doing for the summer? He's coming back home. He's like, oh, yeah, he's going to intern at a record label. And then Steve was like, oh, he should have asked me. I probably could have gotten him something good. Mm. So then Brian came back, and, you know, he's like, well, I know you already have something, but I'm like, well, I haven't started yet, and if he can get me something, it'd probably be better. Yeah. So I, you know, told the other place I wasn't doing it. I interviewed at Epic. I'll never forget I went in like a suit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Brian Lima, who was the guy that I, the guy that I interviewed for, he's he's like, you know, Steve, you got the job. Wow. Just don't wear a suit. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Wow. Lose a suit. And shout to Steve Poss because he used to lace up me and all my friends with CDs knowing we were going to sell them, but just trying to help us out, make some money. Steve was so the best. We'd go up to just lace up our backpacks with stuff and we just go sell it. I remember. He, he was looking out for us. Yeah, man. I remember. So many people he took care of like that. Yeah. So, so we, so we kind of got off topic, but to come back around to what you were saying, by the time I was out of college and really going to shows now, because now you know I could do what I want, I guess that was kind of when the scene got really crazy. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it was early nineties. Yeah, yeah. And so before we met, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was it was different. Yeah. You know, it was different it, than the metal shows, different to the, those stuff, you know. Yeah, it, you know, there was um there was a violent aspect to it. There's really no other there's really no other way around it. Yeah. Um but also, I, the scene was like graffiti crews and all kinds of kids coming to the shows at that yeah, point. Yeah, which super violent. Yeah, which that part of it was cool from a culture perspective, mm. but it wasn't cool from the beef perspective. Classic from, culture, you know, like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. graffiti beef. Yeah, you know neighborhood, and then that's bringing the neighborhood beef. Yeah, um, to shows where you're supposed to go to get away from any kind of. Negative or violent, you're going to escape that. Going to a hardcore show to have fun, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Sing along and forget about crazy real issues. But then it started being brought to the shows. That that part of it was weird, but yeah. I was so into the music at that point, it, it didn't matter. And then, and then it started to shift again, and it started to, you know, probably in the mid '90s when, you know, Coney Island High and yes. and venues that were run by the people in the scene. And there was more respect. Yeah. And, it, you know, I, you know, it was, you know, it could still be crazy, but he could also, you know, there were people that would try to get some control over yeah, it. Yeah, under Acme, spots like under that. Under Acme, yeah. yeah. Just like yeah. when CV when yeah. started closing down back and yeah. forth, he had Continental as well. Continental, yeah. Like just yeah. so many places, Limelight had started having Limelight, hardware shows. Yep, yep. So there's uh, brownies. Pe- brownies, yeah, brownies. Yeah. Wow, wetlands. Yeah. Wetlands. Yeah. Um, where else we played? It wasn't the limelight. It was the place we used to play uptown. We had the summer nationals with Epitaph. Oh, the Roxy. The Roxy. The Roxy. Yeah. There was so many spots that, like, yeah. because of CBS, they kind of sp- yeah. All yeah. different other places started opening. And, and also those, you know, a lot of those bands were getting, you know, like a band like Sick of It All. You know, yeah. it's like a big band, so totally. they, so they could play the Roxy and they could, you know, um, and then by the mid '90s, you know, yeah, you, you clearly had this whole like. A whole resurgence. Yes. 
you had you know Long Island and those bands started coming into the city and playing Jersey and those bands started coming into the city and playing. Yeah, and, and you started taking pictures. So that that story is uh, so I graduated college looking for a job. I had some connections at Epic. Um, I actually kind of got offered a job right after, right before my senior year. At the end of my internship, someone was leaving, and it was half joke, but but serious that if I wanted that job, I could have it. Yeah. But I was, I could not, not finish my senior year like that. Um, I respect that. And 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 honestly, if I'm being honest, I mean that was probably just more me not wanting to deal with my parents mm. than you know, you know, had it been left up to my own devices. I mean, I can't say maybe I still would have finished it. Yeah. But the first line of defense was I I can't deal with them if I I gotta you know, I start <laughs> I started this I gotta finish totally. So I finished. I couldn't get a job. I spent the whole summer looking for something. Had a whole bunch of people helping me out. Um, but I, I, you know, in the big scheme of things, I didn't really know anybody. I knew a bunch of people at Epic, and that was it. That's I it. didn't really know anybody. So I started temping at an investment bank. Um, and the whole, it, the whole the deal was it's a it's a 90 day trial period and after the 90 days you'll get they'll hire me and I'll get medical insurance so my thinking of course was well 90 days I'll have a job at a record label in 90 days mm. so now I can just kind of make some money and I'll be good so of course 90 days comes and goes I don't have a job um, and I'm thinking you know maybe I should get the medical insurance um, I'll yeah. get I'll get I'll get I'll, I'll make more money. I could still, you know, because I was I was working, and then going to shows at night, um, the whole time. So this period of my life, I I kind of call the time where, um, because I didn't have stock in what I was doing. Yeah. Like I wasn't into it, but I had some pride in my in my work. I kept getting like pushed upwards without trying mm. so 90 days comes and goes they don't come to me about the job or whatever so now i walk in thinking and all i'm thinking is a little bit more money and some medical insurance so my mom will leave me alone and i can still keep looking for work yeah and they're like oh we're not you know we decided we're not hiring for that position now <sighs> but you can still stay on as a temp my backwards thinking was I should just get out of here uh, so I can just look for a job from nine to five. So I go in and I give him like two weeks notice, which as a temp, I should just leave. But I gave him two weeks notice. <laughs> right. And one week later, they're like, okay, we're hiring. You're hired. You got, wow. you know. So it was like, because I didn't care, they hired right. me. Gotcha. <laughs> so they hire me and I'm working in like what's called the back office. And it's like, you know, traders are trading all kinds of stocks and currencies and they bring the trades to me and I look at them and I make sure the trades Did are okay. Did you love it? Did you like oh, it? Oh, I hated it. Okay. I hated it. Um, I mean, I learned, you know. Learned a lot from it, yeah. Well, that part of it I wasn't, that part of it I was literally shuffling papers. So, it was a, it was a, a British bank. They hired an American trader and 
in general, like American traders tend to be nuts. Yeah. Whereas British traders are very like common reserve. Com- right. Did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of you can put that across a lot of things, but definitely traders. Mm-hmm. You know. So they hired this American trader who came, you know, who made like a lot of money, and they hire him, and he's, you know, yelling and screaming, and he's the only one who's doing that, and and um, so now he's he's making money. He wants someone to work with him on on the trading desk, and he's interviewing like a steady stream of like he he wanted like an Ivy League college Damn. graduate. So he's interviewing like all these people, and it's and life is funny because I remember I was sitting right by where these kids would come in, and I would sitting but I would sit there and I'd be like, man, like these kids are gonna get eaten alive by this guy, you know, <laughs> like these bright faced, you know. So at some point in the process, my resume, because I I had been hired, now I'm there like ninety days as an employee, so you know, hundred and twenty days in. So now my resume is being filed away, and it hap- And he sees it. It's on the desk where he's doing his interview, and it turns out that his dad went to the same high school I went to, and he went to the same college I went to. Damn. And we knew each other a little bit because yeah. he worked there. Um, but I was the one. Like he would come in, and I would tell him like this trade is wrong. You have to do this and do that. And he would yell at me, and I'd yell at him back. And I guess he appreciated it. Yeah. So he was like, let's give, let's give this kid a chance. So I started working on the trading floor, and that is when I really, I learned a lot. This is before the euro existed. Damn. So, you know, I was dealing with, like, a million currencies and exchange rates. Deutschmarks. I mean, Deutschmarks, pesos, lira, I mean, <laughs> I all, of it. That. all of it. Sterling. Yeah. All of it. Right. So, and that stuff really came in handy when I you know, started sending bands to Europe. Like yeah, I, totally. I really knew how to like deal with currencies and I knew how to, I knew how to try to get, you know, try to get paid in pounds as oh, opposed yeah. to US, you know, just stuff like that. <laughs> so I did that for, and that job was crazy because I, I was working trading hours. So let's, and I, and my specific job I dealt with all the currencies, whereas most other people worked on the British desk or worked mm. on the American desk or worked on the Canadian desk. Shit. My thing was like cross line. So there were nights where I would go in, work, leave, go to a show. I'd get called from the Japanese office. And I forget how I, I had some sort of like, what was it? No, they would call me at home. Like I'd go home. Damn. And I'd get a message that there was some issue with the trade. And depending on what the problem was, I'd go back into the office. Oh, my God. They used to call me uh, Superman at work because because I would go into the bathroom, change. To go to the show. Try to leave where no one saw me dressed. And then I'd leave my suit like on this rack so I didn't have to take it home. And then at the end of the week, I'd be going home with like four suits <laughs> because I, I was just leaving suits there. And they, and they would, so somebody would catch me and be like, oh, there goes Superman wow. offer his, off his event. At night, just exactly. hit the shows. So at some point, I had a, a friend of mine from college who was a year younger than me who was a little bit more hooked up 
with with jobs, and he had worked in college doing prom- promotion for MCA Hip Hop. Nice. So he was working like the, he worked the Juice record. Mary J. Um, Blige. Uh, he worked Mary J. Blige. Um, so he got a job right out of college at at TBT. Oh yeah, TBT, yeah, that. yeah. Hardcore. Which well, they so they had at the time they had started a hip hop label called mm-hmm. Blunt. Okay. And Blunt Recordings had Mike Geronimo. Ooh, I remember that one song. Um, and he and so. My friend said, come work with me. Come intern for me. Within 30 days, I'll get you a job. So I'm like, all right, let's go for it. So I quit this, this job. And at this point now, I'm, I'm, like, I'm making good money. But it wasn't, it wasn't even a choice. Like, so I quit this job. Shit's real, Mike Geronimo. Shit's real. Shit's real. Um, I was thinking about it. Shit's real. And uh, his deed, his... his producer at the time was a guy named DJ Irv who later became Irv Gotti. Wow. <laughs> Deep dive right there. And Mike Geronimo and Irv would come in the office every day and you know like I was kind of a fly on the wall. I was in my friend. This is my friend so I'm like his intern but he's like he's trying to get me in. And before he got that job he actually was also doing this uh he started this promotion company on his own that I used to help him out with, and he was he was working like Funk Dubious. Oh wow! And I would, uh, I'd call radio stations. I'd call like the California radio stations because they were three hours behind. So you know, I was kind of getting my, my feet wet. You're pushing the Funk Dubious album. Yeah, yeah, we were. The funkiest, yeah. the funkiest. That uh, it was that. Which Dubious you be? Um, I remember that that tour they did. It was like. Funk Dubious, Cy- House Cypress, of Pain. Cypress, Cypress Hill, House of Pain, yeah, Funk Dubious, The Hooligans. Hooligans with Scotty Khan. Scott Khan and, and, and Alchemist. Alchemist. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, I saw that. So I did that. And TVT now is kind of a legendary place. The owner, you know, had like a, you know, had a reputation for being crazy. And, oh, okay. and you know, um, you know, there's a story that Trent Reznor played, yeah, you know, they when they there. played Irving Plaza, they were signed to TVT. TVT. And, and he wouldn't go on stage if Steve Gottlieb was in the building and the manager had to lie and tell me he wasn't in the building. Wow. I, I don't know if any of this stuff is true or not, but this guy was kind of crazy. So for, take a so long story short, I saw a lot of things there that I, you know, were, were that I didn't like. The way I saw, like, artists being lied to. I saw my friend. My friend was, like, above boards. But I saw him, like, just the battle he was fighting, like, He's trying you know, to be a good guy in the industry. Exactly. This is what yeah. I told these people. I have to do what I told them. No, you can't. You have to do. So I stopped. I, 30 days, I was. You've seen enough. Out of there. And I was, you know, I was very idealistic. And I'm like, label suck. I'm not, I'm not going to work for a label. You know, not, not realizing that it was that label, you know. But, yeah. But. So uh, back to being a music fan. Yeah. So. At that point, I had no idea what I wanted to do. How old are you then? 24. Okay. Oh, wow, super young. 24. That's young, man. Um, That's young. You know, I was young, but I'd also, you know, I'd done, you know, I had a, you know, I'd done some stuff. No, so, no. so I got some other investment banking job at some other company, a little less stressful. You know, I wasn't working like these crazy hours. And at that point, I was kind of lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I wanted to work in music, but. I knew record labels, right? You know, so I went on vacation to San Francisco, and 
as a hobby, I bought a camera. I bought like a nice camera and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to try to just be creative and, you know, and just figure out. No, it's out. a profession. Just take no, pictures. No, no. It was just something to keep my mind off of not knowing what I want to do. True. And I went out to Frisco and I took like 13 rolls of film. I went, you know, all kinds of nature things and did all kinds yeah. of stuff. And so I came back home, started this new job. And I decided, all right, you know what? I'm going to bring this camera to the smaller shows that I go to where you don't need a photo pass. And I'm just going to just gonna take some pictures. There was no end game with it at all. It was just I got into it. I was into it. It was a hobby. And what essentially happened was all these, the, the punk rock shows and the hardcore shows, you know, again, this is like a time. It's, you know, people are doing zines. Pre-internet. There's independent labels. It's pre-internet. It's very DIY. And bands would come up to me like, you know, who were those photos for? Who You know, I'm like, oh, they're just for me. And they're like, oh, you know, we actually need, like, do you have any of our drummer? Uh, this is yeah. zine. And we have pictures of everybody but the drummer. And Usually uh, the case. Right. So I'd be like, here, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, some other zine would say, and then and so then I got friendly with all of these people and like, you know, like Chris Wynn and in effect would, yeah. he would, you know. Guillotine, I was my Guillotine. You know, he, Chris Wynn would see me at a show. Is like, on the, in the next issue, I'm having like these bands. Do you have any picture of these bands? I'm like, yeah, I got you. Damn. Um, Were you selling them or just giving them at that point? I was point? just giving them away. Um... Uh, I was just giving them away, and you know my name got out there, and, that, and yeah, so for sure. from, from that, I just I kind of knew all the bands. So somewhere in there, you know, you and I just naturally became friends because you started taking pictures at at and twenty four or ninety four, twenty four. Uh, yeah, yeah and was, I started H two in yeah. twenty four, ninety four, ninety four. Yep, yep. So I would start seeing you at our shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at a bunch of your early early mm-hmm. shows, and um. We had the first one in Bell- Bay Boulevard. Was the first Queens. one in Bayside. Wow, the big um, ride at the end of it. And then the second time I saw you guys was at um, Limelight. No, it was Limelight. Was, was it Rancid? Yeah. Limelight so no, I saw. So, so I saw you before that. Before that, it was the BJ Benefit. Got you. And you guys went on super early, and there were like eight people in the room. Yeah. Okay. And I just remember, because it was like, you know, was it BJ's benefit? I can't remember who's benefit. It was a benefit. Or oh, Roger's benefit. It was a bunch something. of benefits. Jimmy's benefit. And there were like 20 bands playing. And this was, this was, you know, this was early days for them. So they went on like second. And I just remember the energy in the room with like just like eight people. Like uh, you're bouncing off the walls, yeah. bands going nuts. I'm... Like I couldn't even catch anybody in my frame. I was trying to take some pictures and Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. So you and I just became natural friends. I mean, we had a natural, uh, you know, like I didn't I, at that point. I hadn't really, like, you were really into hip hop. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like a, a a natural thing. And then I think I then I met like Bill Wilson through you. And I remember he mm. Bill Wilson was the first person him and. I think Bill was first. Bill paid me like 50 bucks for a photo, I forget of who, a photo on the first record, your first record. Really? Yeah. And then Fred Fellman paid me like 100 bucks for photos on the Crown of Thorns record. What was his label? 
another planet. That's right. Which was through Profile. Profile, yeah. Yeah. But you took the photo for the back of the album of us or no? No, I took it might have been Something Top Friend. It. Okay. it was one it was one of the singles. Okay. You needed one and I, So I he starts getting paid for these photos now. I mean, I got paid two hundred bucks for those for those two things, which was like a I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty bucks for one and like two hundred Did you think why well, this is something I could do for a career? You know, I thought about it, but I didn't really know how. And I'd already, you know, I'd already gotten myself in a spot where I was giving them away. But then yeah. I but then I but then I thought maybe, you know, I, I, I thought maybe and I was trying to I think I was in the beginning stages of trying to figure out how to pull that off. And then you know, it was the summer or spring of ninety six. You were moving. I mean, at this point, like we're hanging. We lot. were super tight. I think it went something like this: uh, Vaughn, come on tour. Let's take some pictures. Vaughn, can you sell merch for us? Vaughn, can you be our manager? Vaughn, you are our manager. Vaughn, <laughs> now you now you represent H two O. It happened were, fast because we wow. we bonded so it, it tight. He came on tour fast. with us. It happened you know what I mean? fast. It happened fast. All of a sudden, fast. we went from a, a photographer to our manager, and we're like, "You're a manager. We're going to call it Strong Black Management or Strong Management." That's Strong Vaughn Lewis, right? And yeah, we were the first band. Toby, Toby technically named the company. So yeah, we wow. were. You were moving. You were moving from I forget where you like East Third to East Six or something like that. And um, Kenny and I were helping you move. And yeah, you were like, yeah, we need someone. And at that point, I had just gotten my third investment banking job. Damn. And you were like, yeah, we need someone to sell merch. Come out. You can take some pictures. And, Crazy ass tour Murphy's Law, man, '96. And and I and I remember I remember Kenny looking at me like you should just go. You hate your job, just just go. And go I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. So I went out on the beer and water tour. The beer and water beer tour. Beer and water tour. Who Murphy's, was in Murphy's, Murphy's Law? Murphy's Law. Todd Youth. Todd Youth. Jimmy. Antonio. No, no, no. Um, no. Uh, Dean. Dean and Goat. Goat. Okay. Yeah. No Antonio. Not, that not, was there, my bad. Yeah. Insane tour, driving through hurricanes. Oh, my gosh. Craziest yeah. tour you've ever done, man. It was beautiful. Yeah. Isaac, was Isaac on that tour? It, it was the first time. I knew Isaac a little bit. It was the first time I got to know him. Um, <laughs> and you really got to know him. Yeah, no. Oh, it, it, it was, it was Who crazy. else was, was Matty Boy with us or just No, Isaac? it was just me and Isaac were the only roadies. Wow, bro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Crazy yeah. tour. I didn't know what Isaac's job was, what he did. Cause I, know, <laughs> I know he didn't set up no gear, but he was out there, man. <laughs> Protecting all of us, so superheroes. So many these. stories. What, what, what I remember stories. about what I remember about that time was because at that point I knew I knew you really well. I knew the other guys in the band. I didn't know them that well. I knew them a bit because you know, I'd, I'd been around. Rusty was talking about. And I, you know, Isaac I knew, but I didn't. You know, I was you you know, legendary. I was really like, you know, kind of like the new guy. You know, and you're very green. I was very green, and no one really knew what to expect. So, about to see a whole new world. <laughs> so I, I remember. So I remember we. I remember we went out, and I remember uh, we showed up to. I think the Stone Pony is one of the first shows. Oh, we so showed crazy. up two hours late. This is why we needed a manager that young in the game. Yeah. We, we showed up two hours late. Doors are open. <laughs> I forget who. Yeah, was it, was it Murphy's Law? There's like a massive amount of kids standing in front of me, arms folded, while I'm like hanging up T-shirts because we're late. All right. I'd never done this before. These kids like got their arms folded, like staring at me. Waiting. And I remember after that show, I'm like, you know, 
we should try, and I think we got lost on the way up there. Lost like, from New York to like, Jersey. We, 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 we totally got lost. So I remember, like, we should try and get, like, directions. MapQuest. And try to figure out, like, when we can leave. And then, and then the second show was in Music, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Um, green? I don't know what it was called. Uh, CC's. CC's. Yeah. And we didn't have a hotel. <laughs> and there was some crazy... It was like a plastic convention that I guess would happen in this town and like you couldn't get a hotel. Fucking plastic. So Murphy's Law had a tour manager that had a hotel. Got the plastic. That had a hotel. The two bands shared the hotel. Meanwhile, there were like four cars because we were about to play the next show after that was Cleveland. Mm. Oh, wow. And that was a whole other thing. So we're, there was, we, we were rolling deep to Cleveland. So we're his rolling town, deep. His, your his town, state, yep. his peeps, not so, or whatever. Something. So we're rolling <laughs> deep to Cleveland. So there's like four or five cars. But then I was already in New York. But th- we're rolling there deep, though, right? Deep? Right. Because you know what's going to happen. So there's all of us in this one hotel room. I ended up, like, I think I had a sleeping bag and I, I, I had a spot on the floor. But it clearly wasn't going to be the place to get any sleep. So I slept in the van like 80 degrees or whatever. <laughs> and that morning I was like, you know, we should maybe get a hotel before. In advance. I can, you guys can go to the hotel. I can go at the venue and set up the, you know. So not knowing, I became the tour manager without knowing that that's what I was doing. Just <laughs> think about the basics, you know. Right. Getting us there on time, which is smart. Be professional. Yeah. Yes, which we absolutely. learned later on touring with the yep. Boston's. But yep. yeah. Yep. Wow, we had four cars deep to Cleveland. Yeah, huh? something like that. <laughs> something like that. Dude, there's so many stories we can't talk about. I know, right? it's, it's not too much. But it was a crazy tour. It was a, it was crazy, a crazy tour. tour. So, was that so, an eye-opening experience for you going on that tour? I mean, that had tour you been around the country? Changed my life. You know, not like that. Okay. I, don't like that. I mean, I'd been, you know, I'd been to California, I'd been to Florida, I've been to a couple of places, but I never drove around, you know. And that was my idea. My idea was. When I when I quit, try I'm like, it out. Let's just try it. You know, see what happens, and maybe I'll meet some people. Something will happen. Well, how was it stressful? Or was it because you had hair before the tour started? <laughs> <laughs> you had fun. That was fun. I mean, it was life changing. I mean, in in it, so many ways. Yeah, I mean, it was. It wasn't. I, I can't say it was stressful. It was very just in the moment, and I was just very. You know, for me at that point, like you guys at that point are probably like my favorite band. Thank you, um, I'm on tour, and suddenly I'm like the one who's in charge of us. Who's like you know, boss man in charge. And I didn't, you know, it took me a but second we, we to realize to you. that. Yeah, no, you guys did. You kept you us guys in check, did. man. You guys we needed did. that because you wanted to be professional. Yeah, I want you know because it might you know again, and this goes back to me like just you know reading Billboard. Right? So I, I had I had this chance. picture mm-hmm. of what it should look like, mm-hmm. and I was trying to kind of make that happen. So I, be, you know, I was the Merch guy, then I became the tour manager. Collecting the money, all that. And then you guys fired your, your manager because uh, he did have you did have a couple of managers for short periods of time before me. Okay. Um, who were their names? I forgot. Um, who was their manager? Was it somebody? That- it was um, Amy Bennett. Oh yeah, that was through the Boston's. Through the Boston's. A couple of these things happened. We toured the Boston's. Oh, you should. And then we love H Tour. You should manage her. And then she yeah. tried to manage us. Also, 
Play with Rancid a couple of times. Oh, you should have Stormy book you. Then Stormy became uh, an yeah, agent. We had yeah, one seven inch yeah. out with two songs. So right. that we weren't ready for that. Right. We were too young for that. And then before that, for a minute, you had Scott McGee. Okay. Wow. For Scott like a McGee. for like a minute. With Kiss manager, his brother. Yeah, yeah his brother. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that happened because of Civ. So mm-hmm. they, they right. made it Civ, Quicksand, uh, and Orange Nine Millimeter at the time. Then he uh, took okay. us on the wing. Also, we were too crazy for that. Yeah, yeah. It was a real big management yeah. company. So I was like Scott the McKee. first real one. And so I remember you, 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 you. That was three before you. Two before. And two it's only '96. Yeah. We started '94. <laughs> you guys wow. were on a fast track. Yeah, and who, you who, were definitely fast. And Tim Bohr was booking us then. Tim Bohr was okay, booking okay. you guys okay. already. Yep. He was killing the game still. Shout yeah. to Tim Bohr. Yep. Yep. Wow. Okay. So you came in so, with no management background. So what what I remember about this, and I have to you know I have to give you guys a lot of props because you guys kind of saw something that I didn't necessarily even know was there. But I you know I remember we would talk about business, and I would say, well, why don't you try this, or why don't you try yeah. that? And we got to give some 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 credit here. Todd Friend was the first person to mouth the words, "Vaughn, you should manage us." Wow. And I remember I Shout did. TF. And I remember I did what we all used to do at that time when Todd Friend said anything. I was like, you're nuts. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't manage anybody. And then at T- some TF point. The and then at some point you guys all saw it. And I, I remember like you guys, like you didn't, you guys didn't really ask me. You, you fired some, someone on a truck stop. You're not fired, but you parted ways on a truck stop. <laughs> and then you walked in the van. You had, you had, we had the dialers. You had the dialers. These legal dialers from uh, uh, Radio Shack with the fake quarter sound. Yep. Right. Sick. Oh my god. And then you walked in the van like Vaughn, you're managing us. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then from tour managing to managing, from from merch to tour managing to managing. Then on that same trip is when um, Epitaph reached out. Epitaph wanted to sign it, and there's it's a good. That's right. Kind of funny backstory here. You know, uh, I remember they faxed deal points to Richard Grable, who was the manager, who was a lawyer at the time. That's right, as their lawyer. So Richard faxed it to me on the road. I remember standing at the venue over the fax machine because I didn't want anybody to see it. I do remember this. And I grabbed it off the fax. Um, fax machine. So fast forward, you know, well, a little backstory. Kenny at the time, who, Kenny Gabor, who, was there for a lot of this, you know, still works with me. He was in law school at the time. He That's actually right. he actually went to law looked school. Over that, looked over that thing for us, a contract okay, for us. Okay. And he did a bunch of internships, uh, with, and he would basically, like, read contracts and borrow them, and, and I read a few. So I I got this fax. I marked it up a little bit because he had, he had shared some other contracts with me. And then I faxed it to him at home. He added some things. He faxed it back to me. I faxed it back to Grable. And then at some point, you guys talked to Grable. And I remember him being like, he told you guys, like, who the hell is this guy you have on the road? He really knows what he's doing. That's right. And, That's right. And then you guys came back and told me. And that was the first time I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. Because I, I wasn't sold. You know, I thought it was just going to be like a, a thing for a couple of days. Um <laughs> So with both of you guys' knowledge, it was a perfect team. Yeah. Well, and he was just, you know, Kent at the time, he's in law school. I mean, you know. But doesn't he quit his shit to do it? Well, you got to, yeah. At some point, you have him on separately. Because obviously, you yeah. know what, he's he's dealing with some stuff now. I mean, his story yes. is pretty insane also. But his story was similar. He was in law school and, you know, he had no, there was no, he wasn't, he was going to be a lawyer. 
he was going to do entertainment law. He wasn't going to manage bands. But he was around for all of this. And so we, we do this. We, we're on this tour. We go to L.A. We meet do with Epitaph. Sh- showcase for them or? It wasn't really. A, no, because they had already sent the deal memo. True. There was already a deal on the table. But what was that time when like MCA was in L.A.? Bill Wilson was in L.A. and Brett so, Coase was in L.A. Yeah, Bill was doing his deal. When to keep us on blackout. And uh, Bill had done his deal at MCA after the H2O record. I remember this like night and day because this was like, this is when I learned. Yeah, blackout got an imprint on MCA. Yeah, okay. So blackout got an imprint on MCA. So blackout had a deal, I think, on the table for you guys. I remember being in San Francisco. And it's just funny. In my mind, I'm in California. California is warm, you know. Um, it's eight in the morning, and we were staying with friends. I get out to use a dialer to <laughs> get on the phone with Bill. It's like eight in the morning. I'm free. It's freezing cold because in California, in, in San Francisco, it's cold in the morning, and then it, so I'm in a t-shirt. I'm freezing. Bill screaming at me because I just told him that you know he was I just, I just told him to listen to MCA uh, Epitaph is interested and he's like I'm not coming to California anymore yada yada you know and I and I love Bill I, I love Bill now I love Bill then it was just Shout to Bill. it was just music business stuff yeah, and Bill, I yeah, and business. I was you know I was new so remember we did a meeting with Bill so Bill came out to LA we did a meeting with Bill in the van. In the van, like literally in the van, like in the back of the van where the yeah, used to. Our oh black- no, no, no! We laid out. No, in the blackout van, we laid down the seats and we sat Indian style and we did oh a meeting. Oh my god, that's right! Super DIY. Yeah, and then Epitaph was at that show. It, it, it was it was crazy. Got to walk through Epitaph with Brad. Yeah, it was crazy. <sighs> um, but you know, and then we the Epitaph deal took a while to get done. There were some issues. I, I remember it was another. You know, that was another time. I It was great for me because I learned so much yeah. in this period of time. And also for the listeners, my brother's band Outcrowd was on Blackout. Right. And Hans from MCA loved Outcrowd and right. they, they became friends. Yes. So he was always watching H2O's career once Todd left Outcrowd for H2O. That's why I kept saying, hey, I have a deal for you. I have a deal for you. We're yes. like, no, nah, we're good. We're going to Epitaph. So he, yeah. as, soon as, as soon as he heard Todd reached out to him... We might want to move somewhere. He's like, I want to be the one first because yeah. he watched the whole time. He watched the whole. So yeah. shout out to Hans. Uh, shout Hado. out to Hans. Good people, Hans. So yeah, he was there from the beginning because yeah. of the blackout thing, you know. Yep. yep. Crazy. Yeah, so, so yeah, so we ended up doing that deal. Well, we didn't do the the deal. Took a while, but what I remember was we we did the tour. The tour ended in Asbury Park. It was uh, funny enough. The tour started in Asbury Park. It ended at that SOU. SOU had like this big party. Oh, uh, sick. That was on a Sunday. Shout out to SOU, the first radio station yeah, ever play SOU. us. SOU, New Jersey. And I remember I stayed the night in Asbury Park. Which is super came sketchy home back then. The, Yeah, super sketchy. Came home the Monday. That Monday, none of us talked to each other because, you know, we'd been on tour for six weeks. You hate each other. I'm just kidding. And, um, <laughs> and I remember just, I remember thinking like, am I really managing this? Like, a, you know, and then I remember like Tuesday, Everybody called me separately about some thing they needed me to do, and I remember, be, and I remember being like, "Okay, this is real," you know. So for that next, I think nine months, I, I tour managed, sold merch, and managed the band. And I remember, even on that 
Murphy's Law run. I mean, this is, I say all this to say this is like the beginning of my company. This is literally how like the company started. At some point on that first tour, I couldn't like properly advance shows because they would call me while I was selling merch. No. <laughs> um, and I did, and I had, you know, I had like, um, I think I had like the first cell phone. It was like this gigantic thing where the wow. battery lasted 20 minutes. Yeah. Dang. It was super expensive. It was super that. expensive and the battery <laughs> would like 20 minutes and you're done. You were in 10 different hats. I was wearing 10 different hats. So I remember Kenny, who was home at law school, he would pretend to be me, and he would advance the shows. And then, like once a day, I'd get, I'd find a payphone, and he well he would fax me the the sheets on the road. I would stand over, I'd find a club with a fax, stand over it, pull them, and then like maybe two or three times a week, I'd call him from a payphone, and he would go through like okay, because you know there's certain things you got to communicate. He's like. This guy is sketchy as fuck. Yes. Um, make sure like A, B, C, and D. And we were arguing. Like he would tell me because basically I had to walk in as if I was the one that that guy spoke to. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> so like we had that down, but that was kind of his kind of, you know, you know Part now of, you know yeah, now yeah. first he was doing he's looked over some contracts, but now he's like advancing shows. So. So that entire time of him in law school, he would help me out. And then for nine months, I would, you know, I, I mean, I went, we did, we did that first tour. We went out, we did like seven shows of social distortion. When Todd Friend broke his hand? Um, no, Todd Friend broke his hand After before that. we went, before we went to Europe. With Doggy Dog, that's right. Yeah. There. At the airport, uh, before, like at Beauty Bar, when before you oh, guys man. got I to my punched, house. Um, I punched yeah. him in the arm, we punched each other in the arm. And, yeah. That was a learning thing. I was, uh. That was crazy. I, I, uh, you know, I hope I'm not rambling too much, but it's a no, funny story. No, but Todd Friend, they were, they were punching each other in the arm in front of Beauty Bar. We used to, he, where yeah. Derek used to work yep. at the moon. And all the, way to, all the way to the airport, all the way to Europe, was in my, my wrist, my wrist. Like, we cried, Todd yep. Friend, whatever, yep. you know? Yep. We're going there to open up a doggy dog uh, when they're massive yeah, in yeah, Europe. Yeah. Main support, yeah. sharing a bus, huge opportunity for H2O. Yep. So, that opportunity came like a like a week before the tour. Somebody couldn't do it. I think Rogish Armament had to couldn't. Someone shout was out to Chippy Love, Rogish Armament. Rogish, Rogish Bone. Shout to Chippy Love. I remember these things. Like it's crazy how I remember these things. But they dropped out. We got offered the tour a week in advance. Um, I had never gotten a bus in Europe. <sighs> I remember your brother didn't have a passport. And this is pre-September 11th. Your brother and I were in the passport office the day before we left. Wow. He didn't have, like, anything that he needed. Social security card or birth certificate. Somehow I talked the person into, like, just, you know, helping us. And then she said, like, she's like, do you have, like, a yearbook? And he had, a, oh he had, a high, he had his high school yearbook. What? He had to find it. So... The deal was we had to come back the next day, which was the day we were flying. Oh, my God. Come on. We were in the passport office that morning. He bought his yearbook. He got his passport. I went home. You guys went to load up gear. You drove to my... And that's when Todd Uh, Todd Friend broke. So it was like... Wow, bro. But the one story I remember... You should give me PTSD thinking about it. So the bus, 
the bus. I remember. Well, once we get there, we play the show. We barely make it to the show. After the show, Tarpon's like, Marissa, wait, just go to the fucking hospital. Yeah. Comes back hours later in a fucking full cast. We have so, to go home. So let me, let me put this in context. We get this bus, right? Beat the street? Beat the street. The production company for the You're tour. You're not sharing a bus with Doggy Dog. No. Okay. So the, Damn, produ- son, the production company for the tour had a bus with six spots in it. And I'm not going to say the name. Uh, they're not still around anyway, but I'm not going to say the name. Oh, we're going to jump on the. Okay. They had six spots left, and it was a 12 bunk bus, and we could hop on their bus. And they quoted a price that you know we couldn't afford. I start cold comp- calling companies in Europe, in Germany. And, you know, someone gave them the beat the street, and I found an 18 bunk bus. For cheap. And I remember going back to the production company saying, hey, why don't you share our bus? Because it'll be cheap. And they're like, no, 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 no. And I didn't try and get over And I didn't get it. So now we get on this plane. We land in London. We had to get on another plane to get to Germany. The flight was late. We're flying in the day of the first show. She was such amateurs, man. And I mean, I was like stressed, stressed wow. out. But I kept it. You never you know, showed it. I, yeah, but I kept Except it. Except for the spots on your head where the hair was coming <laughs> exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> the bus comes. We go to the venue. We're late. We walk in. First person I see is Jack Flanagan, who's Jack. tour managing Doggy Dog. Rest in peace, Rest Jack. Peace Jack, man. man. Jack was a good friend of mine. Um. But Jack was also, could be a ball buster. And Jack's like, you guys are late, you're not playing. And I'm like, come on, Jack. He's like, nope, not playing. Uh, actually, man, this is, this is a story about a lot of people that aren't, aren't with us anymore. Yeah. Uh, I remember Sean Kilkenny walking in. He's Sean. He's like, all right, you guys, you guys playing? I'm like, no, we're not playing. He's like, what do you mean you're not playing? Like, Jack said we can't play. Sean walks out, and Jack walks back get up and, and, and get up on stage quickly and play like a short set. So that was Sean being like, this guy's got to play. Rest in peace, Sean. Is this Sean. 97 or 8? This is 96 still. Damn. Wow. This is 96. Album. Damn, okay. So um, you guys play, and I remember watching, I remember being in the crowd, and, and Todd Friend just could not. Was it a good show, though? Anything. It was a great show. I mean, good you guys, crowd, you guys yeah. killed it. But he wasn't, he couldn't hit. His wrist was broken. We didn't know. Oh, my God. You know? We didn't know, and uh, and of course me like oh, show man. was great, but of course me like I'm you know I'm a fan of the band. I'm like man, this is not you know. So we he gets off and we get someone to take him to the hospital, and I'm now I'm like oh man like what if he can't play? And then oh, I remember the guys in Doggy Dog were recommending some people that could come in and fill I in. because we got Mac here, you know. And uh, so I'm on the bus by myself, like just stressed out. So at some point, I get off the bus, our our 18 bunk bus for the <laughs> for the for the six of us, and I see the driver outside of this of another bus. So I walk over and I start talking to him, and I figure out that that's the bus that they were trying to get us on. Mm. And I asked him, "Hey, how much does that bus cost?" And he's like, "Well," and he was. Figuring he was giving me the numbers, and I worked it out in my head that that was the exact number they were trying to get us to pay. They were trying to get us to pay for the whole bus. 
They weren't trying to split it. Damn. And it was damn. a nicer bus, but they were they were trying to get us to pay for the whole thing. Wow. Jeez. And I remember thinking like, wow. Like, Good move. Yeah. Wow. Like, these, you know, like welcome you know, to the world. Welcome of to the world of business. Yeah. And then Todd shows up. He's in a cat. I remember oh, I see him walking in from a distance. He's on. He's got a cast on, and I'm like, oh, oh man. My God, so dude. we decide to leave. We drive back to the airport. Oh my God! And what is Doggy Dog doing? Are they like fucking bomb? People bomb? Everybody was bombed for us, you know. Everybody they want. They all wanted us there, you know. We drive back to the the, oh the airport. Fly back to London. Couldn't get a flight out that day, so we stayed at Adam's parents' place for the night. Oh, my God. I remember all this drama. So we shit. stayed an extra day. And the one funny thing I always remember about this is for that 18 hours that or whatever we were in Germany, I didn't have one thing to eat. I didn't eat a thing. I didn't put a thing. I think I, I think I drank a beer. Wow. I didn't put a thing in my stomach. We stopped at a truck stop on the way back. And this was, you know, this was back in the day when food was not good in Germany. Yeah. And I remember looking at the sweaty meats. At the time, I, I ate meat. I remember looking at the sweaty meats, and I couldn't even eat it. And I always joked that I, I went back to Germany seven or eight years later. And I always had this, like, thing about like, Germany. <laughs> you know? PTSD from that PTSD. 48 hours <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why we didn't get a drummer to do it right then. It's yeah, like, no, I was no. just gonna ask. Like, we what? couldn't text there was anybody. Nobody that was like, "Oh, you know these songs, or you can learn." Yeah, it was. I think it was just. I think we were just kind of defeated. You know. I think but then so. we had the social distortion tour. When we got back. Right. We no, we support. had. The, oh yeah, right, right. We had the social distortion. The tour Tar came out, back. played one song with one arm, with one hand, and then yeah. Mackie took our whole guarantee and he played drums for us. <laughs> wow. But he played sideways, so it was cool. Love you, Mackie. <laughs> oh my. God. Always professional. Were people reaching out to to you for them to open up? Like, how did these guys get these gigs? Like, these are great. And we're brand new bands. Open, yeah, I mean, because I mean, it really blew yeah, up. I mean, relatively fast. It, yeah, it, honestly, I remember it was all kind of coming to us. Like, okay. it, it was fast. so bizarre, and it took me so long to figure out. I remember like Downset wanted to take you out, and wow. we ended up and we ended up not like at that doing it for different reasons. But I remember, like, they wanted to take us out in Europe. Wow. And I remember um, I remember Scott Koenig calling me. Koenig. And this goes back to, like, me. Recipe Scott Koenig. Recipe yeah. Scott Koenig. Jesus, And this man. goes back to me being, like, a student of the business. Because, you know, I remember getting a message from Scott Koenig. He got my number. And I knew Scott Koenig from, you know. Biohazard. All the stuff like he's managing. Biohazard, yeah. like, going back to Beastie Boys days. And this is just me, you know, reading records you know wow. so i knew who he was yeah these dudes are calling you so i remember him calling me and i remember you know i remember talking to him what do you want and and him being like man you really know your stuff but it's just i was just a student and then i remember him telling me uh no you know what it was it wasn't scott who called me first it was dante ross dante this is wow. another podcast dante yeah. ross dante. called me because he somebody other and he got my number and scott was trying to reach me about a possible tour and they were starting okay. a label Wow, and I remember just being like, "This is nuts!" Like I, I Dante know, Ross, I know too, Dante hip-hop. Ross from, you know, signing, you know, leaders of the new school and De La, Del the Funky Hope Sapien and A&R and Dale Soul records. So you know, wow, so, and all, and, and then and then I would and then I would kind of, we had these like, you know, I, I I had these reach like in my head I was like 
they should tour with this band. And I think the social distortion thing came about because it was some connection with Rancid. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Okay. And Jim Garnard was managing yes. Rancid and Social D. And I got Jim Garnard's number and I called him up. And then he gave us some dates. Um, I mean, yeah, first time meeting Mike and him watching our set, he goes, yo, remind me of some sort of like doo-wop hardcore. <laughs> That's yo, awesome. Like, yo, like doo-wop. That's awesome. It was so cool. That's awesome. Because our harmonies and shit. Right, right. He watched, he watched uh, us a lot, man. But yeah, to answer your question, great. it was stuff was just kind of happening. Right, and, and, right. But I think I was like, because I knew who people were, I was able to like get on the phone and then I could I could engage them in conversation because I knew who they were, I knew what they did. Right. I would even you know, I, knowledge, man, I might have even had it. a question or two in my head and I would just say, Hey, you know, weird question, but get some free advice, man. When you're working on this record, you know, just things like mm-hmm. that. So so that went on for about nine months and then you know, then at this point now you guys have a record deal, you guys are going on tour. This is for about to be thicker than water. Yeah, you guys are working on thicker than thicker than water, and all these other people that I knew, as like the the photographer on the scene, they're all looking at me like, "Well, wow, you know, we need a manager." Yeah. Okay. And who's so next? Who's who next, next up in line? You know? Let them know. Let them know. So who's next in line? So yeah, I, I remember there was like a bunch of bands, and I remember that there was like two or three that I had in my head, like if I ever did this, mm-hmm. I would manage these bands. So it was a conversation with you guys first. About, about I take, taking on another band. Yes. About taking right. on clients, about coming off the road. Okay. Because, I mean, whether I, whether I took on other clients or not, you didn't want to be I on couldn't the road. stay on the road. Right. I, I love being on the road, right. but being a manager, I couldn't be right. on the road. All, I think we knew that time. because we asked to be our manager. We can't do everything. You know yeah, what I mean? right. yeah. Um, so first it was a, it was a conversation with you guys and, and, you know, and I was, I was worried. Get the blessing. You know, to get the blessing and these guys were, were great. We had a lot to handle, but, you know. So then I think, I can't remember who came first, but like, um, you know, Fire Night 451 was one that I always kind of was close to. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Crown of Thorns. Yes, of course. Um, and, and Murphy's Law. Okay. Um, those are the, those next those three. Were the, those are the next, I can't remember the order, um, how how was that dealing with more bands? I mean, it, and especially those bands. It I was mean, crazy. Not, I mean, those are very eclectic bands. I'm totally, yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, you know. But I I tell you this, it was unbelievable experience for where I was able to go with my career. Like totally. Like I, you know, there's a lot of things that I learned. That you know, a lot of younger guys today don't you know, and, I, and I'm not the, I am not the, I'm not the back in the day person. Same. I'm not that dude at all. But there's certain basic principles, you know. Um, one thing off the bat was, if you've got a problem with something with somebody, if there's something that's not going right, um, deal with it directly. Let it be known. Deal with it directly. And I remember saying to myself, I'd rather, and this, you know, this never happened, but it, you know, just you always have to be prepared, I guess. I remember saying I'd rather be punched in the face for being up front than for talking shit. Right. And I came up in a time where you would see, you know, it was a small scene. You, you know, somebody would pop up and like, oh, that's so and so from back in the day. 
you know, he used to do this, this, and that. All right, cool. Yeah, nice guy, whatever. And then you're at a bar and you can't get out the bathroom. And, you, and, and why? Because somebody's beating the hell out of that kid for something that he said and it never got addressed. And mm. I learned early on, you know, I had a couple of moments where I had issues and I had to speak up. And I realized, like, wow, like, it's actually okay. People actually will respect you. Right. For being upfront and honest, yeah, you know, and um, it's interesting. And you know, now it's like, you know, you deal with the internet age, yeah, yeah. and you know, like, you know, even texting, like, even just like, it can be arguing with people over text, miscommunication. And yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell people now, like, I'm gonna call you. Let's take this right. off a of text. Mm. Because yeah, you can interpret it a different yeah, way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I so like that's one of the things. And then look, I mean, I think all everybody will agree. No one, no one's going to get mad at me for saying this. I mean, you know, some people were very difficult at points, and I learned a lot from that. And I learned a lot different about how to deal with it. Personalities and, and egos, personalities and, all, and every, egos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it made what I did going forward a little easier because right. I, you know, I, I dealt with personalities right out of the gate. Yeah. Cause you have the crazy ones first and then yeah. you got, now you're like all smoothed out. <laughs> normal. Yeah. We're all gone. Yeah. I mean, you so, don't. When, so when did it start to change when, after you took on those, when he stopped the, managing the craziest, all three of them. Yeah. craziest yeah. bands, like well, when was the first, like, so, okay, these guys are, you know, yeah. different from the craziness a little. Yeah. Well, so the evolution was... These guys ev- aren't wilding on the, ev- <laughs> the, the, the evolution was, you know, we the company... So the company essentially started. I came off the road. Okay. And now I'm, I'm doing that. And then, you know, Kenny graduates law school, kind of has a similar situation to me. He did these internships. He can't get a job. So he ended up becoming a, a partner with yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. So, he, so he actually took a job first at housing court, in a, in a housing court. A legal housing court, which was crazy. He hated, he hated it. And at some point after that, I was when I came off the road, and I remember him. I remember having a conversation with him at one point, and he was like, "I'm gonna stop doing what I'm doing, and I'm. You need help. I'm gonna work with you." And I remember telling him, "You're crazy. I'm not making any money." Right. And but it wasn't like uh, he didn't. It, it's it kind of goes back to how I got started working with you guys. He didn't really ask he didn't give me a choice he just like nope i'm gonna <laughs> stop doing what i'm doing and the, and the truth of the matter was he was already like he knew everybody yeah. so it wasn't like he needed to be introduced so so that happened mm-hmm. and then you know obviously we parted ways and then yeah. and looking back at it i mean it was a simple thing like how many years were we together for you know in the it's funny it was only about a little over two years. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, a lot happened in that a lot two, happened years, two years. You know? man. But, you know, I mean, it really boiled down to like, we were friends first. Absolutely. And, and still are. And still are. And, and, and a, lot, we a lot of people it. don't really separate the business and the friendship. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. And we got caught up a couple of times. We got, we got caught up a couple of times. But, and, you know, and I also like, you know, I remember towards the end of it, I definitely started to get like I, you know, I, I, you know, the friendship was getting caught up in the business, and I was also trying to really kind of I had I had a vision for what I thought you guys should be doing, and mm. I was I was trying to be a manager. I mean, I was I was a manager, but I was trying to really be a manager, and so you know, we we parted ways. 
And then I remember, like, you know, that was like a. Was that hard for you? It was, was definitely that, hard for yeah, me, me because too. What, what, what did, too. where did you envision them going? Like, what was going on, and what was what kind of ideas did you have? That's a good question, Derek. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys were my favorite band, mm-hmm. so like, I didn't really, you know, I saw them, you know, being that East Coast, well, with a West Coast sensibility. I saw mm-hmm. them going out with big bands, and which we did, which we which you did, yeah. Um, but I want, you know, I just wanted to push it further. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had some ideas on the, on the sound and I, I mean, I remember I was really deep into talking to producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I don't think, not so much you, but I think other guys weren't so into, like I remember talking to Ron St. Germain. Damn. And like, he wanted to do the record. Damn. Um, okay. and you know, I don't think everybody was really into it. Um, you know, do, you like, I, do you like what Brett Gerwitz did with FTT? Yeah, I did. I did. I yeah. thought he did a great job with it. Uh, yeah. I definitely did. I definitely did. Were you um, bummed on us leaving Epitaph like I was? You know, I wasn't like in the middle of it, obviously. But it made sense to you because it I, was It made sense to me. At that point. It, yeah. made, it definitely made sense to me. It I definitely made sense it. to me. I mean, I, were, I talk yeah. about a lot. Me and I weren't uh, really psyched on that move, but we did it. Let my brother and Rusty take the reins for that Go mm-hmm. record, you know, which I think has some great songs on it, but production-wise... It, if Chad Chad Gilbert did it at this moment, yeah, it, yeah, it was just way overproduced. I didn't write one lyric on it. I was my head wasn't there. I was laying, staying at the Oakwoods, you know. I just, the Oakwoods, you like know what I mean. There. Guns N' Roses was in that studio. It was, wow. a lot of, it was a lot of money spent on that record. Yeah. Like the back photo of that record cost more than our first three albums budget put together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, like just it was just a crazy time for me, man. And I didn't. It's not a resentment for the band, but it's always a record that comes up, and people love that record. People tell me this podcast like that was their first H two O album. Yeah. I mean, and for me, it was our last issue. It's still, a, it's, <laughs> you know still what I'm a, it's still a strong record. I mean, I get what you're saying, production-wise, overproduced. Yeah, I get, it's I, Matt Wallace. They want he's the replacements. He's Faith No More. Like yeah. that was like Todd Friend's dream. Yeah. to be with Matt Wallace. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get that. But it's all at the end of the day, it's all growing pains. It's like no, it's all you do it, you go through it. But I wish you were there. Yeah. Thinking about it now, like you reach out and say, "Hey guys, you sure about this?" <laughs> I, I definitely. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I definitely felt like. No one could manage this band the way I could, just because I I just felt like I was and, no, and nobody ever did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. facts. Thank you. Because me and I have been doing it for like 15 years by ourselves, and it's like nobody ever did it yeah, like you. Yeah. Nobody did like you, Vaughn. Yeah, you Thank fucking you. yeah. You, you you were a big part of the yeah. uh, the birth of this band. Yeah. I, pr- I appreciate. Do you know it. what I'm so, saying? Like yeah. So I mean, not, not, I mean, not to break away from that, but I'm go mean, to just, it, just uh, what was like the first when you started to notice, like what was the first band that came into your radar and then it's like okay now we're starting to make money with this because mm, i mean def- like definitely like, kill switch engage okay yeah. so how did that connection happen because so because so, you're going from like murphy's Law, crown of thorns fahrenheit H2O, yeah 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 to yeah, a different yeah to basically like, was that the next one like it wasn't it wasn't like the next next one but it was so what started to happen after after you guys I mean, it was hard for me because in the sense of like, you know, you guys are my friends. We're your baby too. We're the baby though, Exactly. And I I thought I had this vision. That shit sucked. sucked. So I had to kind of, I'll say that it was when I learned how to become a manager, so to speak. Because it's one thing to manage your friends. Facts. Yeah. To like 
I'm gonna pee. You know, be becoming a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to an extent, Fahrenheit, Crown of Thorns, Murphy's Law, to whatever degree, they were also my friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so definitely an element of Queens involved there yeah, as exactly. well. <laughs> so what the shift, what, what started to happen was we started to get, as a company, we started to get kind of known. You know, okay. people, you know, because all the bands are doing well mm-hmm. and people started to know us and, you know, different bands from different areas would reach out to us. So we worked with a couple of people that weren't from New York. Um, we managed this band from Florida, uh, 60 Watt Shamans, kind of like in the stoner rock vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, we managed this band, Karma to Burn. Yeah, ooh, I remember that. Great, great instrumental band that everybody loved, but they were really nuts at the time. So, you know, we really started to get known by people outside of New York and people within the business and, you know, lawyers started to know who we are and people at labels started to know who we are. A little buzz. So, exactly. So, all, all the, did H2O created the biggest buzz and then we left and then you guys had this big... I mean, <laughs> I look, look, but the truth is, but the truth is, you know, but the truth is H2O, Murphy's Law, you know, these are important bands. So thank you. That helped. No, there's no doubt about it. Night of fire. It, yes. it, it helped. And Definitely. people and people knew I could work with difficult people. Yeah, that's <laughs> very, very, very true. You had like the hardcore, right. cre- you had the hardcore that, cred. I, I will come to that a little bit later, but I agree a hundred percent. And so, yeah. we can manage that. You can manage, yeah. 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 So, so we, I got kind of known, and so, this, but this one guy, Mike Gitter. Yeah, shout out to Mike Gitter, who I see at Mike every fucking Gitter. show. Just, Mike Gitter, yeah. It could be in San Fernando. It could be in Orange County. It could be at eleven o'clock at night. It could be on a Tuesday. I've seen him every fucking show. A&R's still in the game, dude. So, funny thing about him was, I obviously knew who he was, but I I knew him before I was managing bands. Before he even knew who I was, because of his fanzine. I well, I I knew of him from that. I knew of him from he would write. Um, yes, liner notes and like tour programs that right. I used to buy because I, I was a kid I would buy tour programs he, he I was, was a writer I would see his name everywhere, everywhere. a lot of magazines everywhere and stuff, and that's all so I at some point I knew what he looked like and before I was even managing bands I would see him in record stores I can't tell you how many times before I managed bands would be in the same record store to the point where he didn't know who I was and he would walk up behind me I'd have a record in my hand and he would walk up behind me and be like, "If you don't have this record, you should get this one instead of that one." And then, no. he, and then he'd walk away. Have that one, you know? It was, it was, it was funny. It was funny. He tried signing us too, or maybe I don't know. It's great. No, no, not really. Uh, not quite. <laughs> not, well, you wrote the song about him. Yeah, we wrote a song about him. <laughs> oh wow, this track. It's all good. Though. Damn, Spirit eighty four. Okay, all right. Do some deep diving, but it's all. He's okay. my boy. Yeah. Yep. I remember he made a comment at one point later on. He's like, I, I inspired one of their best songs. Like, oh, he, right. he knows about it? Oh, yeah. Of course he does. He totally knows. Totally knows. And look and look at it. This is interesting. I'm not going to talk too much about this, but Hardcore died in 84. That was his whole thing. Yep. Now he's at every hardcore show at the new generation, still at the show. 1,000%. So hardcore never died. 1,000%. It's bigger than ever. I love you, Mike Gitter. And that was just a moment in time. Yeah. We got inspired by something you said to us. We never signed with you. Still friends, but thanks yep. for writing. It's a great song. It's great. Yeah, yeah. But Harker's thriving. It's thriving. Anyway, go ahead. It's thriving. Yes. yes. Yeah. So. And, and his history is, you know, he A&R, long time yeah. A&R, Atlantic, Roadrunner. Road He's at Runner. Century Media now. 
um, you know, Bad Religion, Civ, Orange Nine of the Atlantic, Kill Switch Engage at Roadrunner, Lava, Glass Jaw. Was he part of Lava Records? Atlantic. Well, Lava? he was Atlanta. He was okay, Atlantic. Yeah. yeah. He, All yeah. those bands. Yeah. VOD. No, VOD was Road. VOD was Howie Abrams. Shout out to yeah, Howie. Howie, Howie Abrams, Abrams. Man. Wow. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. Um, you know, Kill Switch at Roadrunner. Um, Lorna Shore right now at Century Media, which is a band that's doing really well that we that we work with. So just you know, really important person in this in this landscape, and you know he took note of what we did, and you know he's about to sign this band, Kill Switch Engage, or a band from Massachusetts that had put out an independent record on. And Ferret. Gary told me about him when I was just joining Sepultura because he was the guy that suggested that I join Sepultura. Right. right. And uh, and he was telling me like, oh, you should check out this band. He gave me some copies, and I remember being on Ferret Records, and mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, check out this band, Kill Switch. I remember Ferret Records. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. they were on. I was like, this is amazing. I was way into it. Yeah. He told you uh, about the auditions for Sepultura. Yes, he was the one wow. that suggested, and he had just gotten to Roadrunner, and he was like, you should have this guy. And everyone at the label were like, no. Shout out to Gitter Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, everyone at the label were hating, and except for him. And a few other people. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Shout out so, to Mike Gitter. I love Gitter. Yeah. So he he took notice of what we were doing, and he was about to sign this band. And at the time, they had all come from other bands. They were kind of looked at as like a, a bit of a super group in the Massachusetts area. No one knew for sure if they were going to tour. So the funny thing about meeting with them you know, this was in a period where we were starting to kind of meet with bands from management, and we had never really, you know, done that up until, you know, bands like Karma to Burn. Yeah. We all, every band that we managed were bands that we were friends with that said, "Hey, do you want to manage us?" And I was like, "Yeah," you know. <laughs> um, so you know, we I remember at one point we met with Typo Negative. They were in between managers, so we kind of we were developing our chops to do a meeting. Right. And we kind of had a couple of false starts. We tried to meet them in Philadelphia. They played this place, this Stalic 13, which is like for New York people, CBGB's meets ABC No Rio. All the money got stolen in the front. The show got canceled. So then we met at a WSOU show in Newark, New Jersey. Damn. It was like a, and another anniversary show. And we literally met in the alleyway of a minor league baseball stadium. It's hard. And alleyway crew. I talk about this with these guys. We laugh about it. But they really, they were hardcore kids. So it wasn't even like a meeting of like, well, this is who we are and this is what we can do and this – it was like, you know, so wait, you know you know the guys in Leeway? Like, yeah, yeah, we, we know those guys. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, you know these guys, you know those guys. And then I literally just did kind of like a, a short pitch on, you know, we had a lot of friends on Roadrunner. We knew a lot of bands on Roadrunner. We knew a lot of bands that had done really well. We knew totally. a lot of bands that didn't do well. So we kind of had like this thing of what they needed to do to kind of be able to survive in that landscape and part of it was touring and they were like okay we're like you know whatever you guys think if you think this can work if we do that we can commit to that and that was literally the meeting it wasn't like this in-depth thing we had we had some cred and they were into it 
you know, now that would never happen with them. Now they're so savvy that, you know. Right. But um, so we started working with them. And, um, you know, again, you just learn how to, you learn on the fly. We, totally. Making that record was really difficult for a lot of reasons. Um, I love you, Mike, but, you know, Mike knows. <laughs> Did that, you feel like you that know. was your first kind of real, not that we weren't real bands, but mm-hmm. we were babies, we were embryos, we were just getting started, and you helped raise, like, raise us and we left yeah. the nest. What I will say, it was the first time that, like, how do I say this? It was the first time that like people felt like we, like with us, we were kind of all learning together. Winging it together, yeah. We were winging it together. Yeah. This was more like they kind of looked at us like we knew everything. what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And while did you there feel was, like you did know everything, hell's no, yeah. hell's no. But we knew, <laughs> but we knew, we thought we knew how to navigate them out of in that label situation, in yeah. that in that environment. Because that roadrunner environment is not a you know it's it wasn't the easiest environment. And then the other thing too that happened after they got signed was Nickelback took off. Yeah, Nickelback mm-hmm. were on Roadrunner at that time. Did not know that. Yeah. So when Nickelback took off, that also changed kind of what kind of label it was. Mm-hmm. They were they signed a couple of bands that were more like that. And so a band like Killswitch wasn't necessarily like whereas it made total sense when they signed, there was a period after it where the label it was a little different. Yeah. yeah. And also Slipknot. Yeah, so now it was like a little, a little, little, little later, a little right? later but it really, I mean, Roadrunner became like, it was like a big, a big independent label that became like a big label, period, yeah. you know? So, you know, making that record, it was, it was, you know, it was probably the first time that I was really, and this is for me, this is kind of, I guess, what I always kind of envisioned for myself. I, I really envisioned like helping a band make like the best record they can make because yeah. i felt like i you know I, I i listened to a lot of records I, I i i again the nerd phase i knew who all the producers were i you know i, I just kind of felt i had an idea so i kind of helped them navigate through that record around the label we put the record out the record was really well received quickly damn um and then jesse quit about four weeks after the, the record came out. Wow. Singer. Um, so that was, you know, Stressful. to speak to something that Derek just said, what I remember about that period was there were two things. <laughs> um, when Jesse quit, we did an interview. Uh, MTV was just starting like wow. uh, Headbangers Ball back and they were doing like these interviews and Shout out to Ian Robinson. He Shout was a Robinson, super man. fan of the record and um, got MTV to cover the band. That's and sick. So we did this interview against all of our better judgment. I, I wasn't for it. The band wasn't for it. We knew Jesse had quit the band. But we did this interview because the label like kind of really wanted us to. And then as he's doing the interview, like people started finding out about it, that he wasn't in the band anymore. So that was like weird. And I remember thinking like, okay, trust your gut. Like you knew it was a bad idea. Trust your gut. Yeah. You know? So it ended up not being as big a deal 
you know, we were worried that MTV was going to get pissed at us. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got through that. The other thing, and this really speaks to something Derek said before when he, you know, was trying out for Sepultura, was for the label, the goal was to find someone right away. Yeah. We had a tour lined up. They had some ideas. And when Jesse quit the band, I, I mean, I remember sitting in a room with Kenny and being like, man, like, this could be done. Yeah. This this record, people love this record. Like, this could be done just like that. And I remember saying the only way this is going to work is if we find someone great to replace him. Because Jesse was great and we needed someone great. And not necessarily someone exactly like him. Right. So I remember having some conversations with the label and now I'm fresh off this MTV thing and I'm trusting my gut. And I'm like, I remember telling the label, I would rather find someone that you guys are going to freak out over and not go with your first choices and just make this band be another band. Yeah. Because you guys will be gone. You know, this is me talking to the label. You guys will be gone in a month after it crashes. So I'd rather piss you guys off for two months yeah. and come back with someone that's going to blow everybody away. Totally. And that's, that's what we did. We took our time and... How long did it take? You know, it, it actually ended up not taking as long as we thought. I think by six weeks. How many auditions? We did a bunch of auditions. So we, the band auditioned a bunch of people in Massachusetts. So Adam in the band is a producer. So Adam kind of cut up these instrumental tracks. Actually, no. I think they auditioned people live. So and and then he, and then he recorded them. So he would he would let them do a couple of so, songs. And how, then, how did it go? Like, uh, were they songs that are already recorded? Yeah. Well, this is remember the record is out. The record had just come yeah. out. Oh, okay. The so record was brand new. Tour on it. So yeah. Yeah. Of course, they're playing. So they had the songs, and so he just took the instrumentals that he made for the record, and you got to hear all the demos. And he he would and then he would cut. He would he would let them cut like the last one and record it, and he would send them to me. And they had their notes, you know. And I remember, the funny thing about ha- the about Howard is, they weren't, it was a little different, so they I weren't mean, sure. I mean, were they telling him, like, hey, were people trying to sound like Jesse? Like, or were they giving him instructions, like, hey, it's gotta sound just like the they album? They were giving them no instruction. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. It was just, we're gonna jam, right? And you these do, songs, you do what you song, do, like they yeah. have the album. I think they would pick a song, like okay. which, which which one of these songs you want to do. Okay, they Damn. would pick it and they would do it. So he sent some stuff, and you know Howard, there were you know I remember there was some concern, like is it too different? Is it too so far? Because he he just sent them to me. They, there wasn't we didn't I don't think there was any like this is what we think. Maybe there were like a couple, and I remember being like, whoa. Mm-hmm. What is up with this guy? <laughs> right, and they were like, "You think so?" Like we're 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 thinking, but we're not sure. And I'm like, "Dude, like, is there what does he does he look funny? Like what like right. what's the problem?" They're like, "No, no, no." So then we set up another set of tryouts in New York. We we rented a room. We rented like a real uh, rehearsal room. At this point, I had gotten some other people that wanted to try out. And we brought up like the people that they thought were like the best ones from their Massachusetts tryout. Right. Damn. And we all got in a room. And I remember like when we were done, I remember just looking at them like, 
Howard is the guy. Mm-hmm. What band was he from? He was in um, Blood Has Been Shed. Okay. Which had just kind of, I don't know if, I can't remember if they had stopped playing at that point or maybe maybe him joining Killswitch stopped, stopped playing. So, and then within two weeks, they did uh, Hellfest, which was a, at the time before Hellfest was what it is now. Massive now. It was a small festival in Syracuse. Um, they did that and that. It was a whole bunch of press off did of that. Did the label have any problems? No. They were they were into it. Mm-hmm. They were into it. Um, Perfect. And, you know, we did whatever tour we had. I think it was with Kitty. We oh, missed, man. like... Instead of, I think it was like a, I don't know, maybe an eight-week tour. So instead of missing two weeks of it, we missed eight, four weeks of it because I took time and then they ended up doing the second half of it. And, you know, we toured for two, almost two years with a record that Howard didn't sing on. You know? Yeah, um, right. That's crazy. So that was, you know, that was crazy. Who's in the band now at this moment? What singer? The original singer back? Jesse's back in the band, yeah. yeah. Jesse's been in the band now since 2011. Wow, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how long is Howard in the band for? Howard's in the band eight years? Ten, no, nine years. And then when he left the original singer, he came back? Yeah, yeah. and that we did tryouts. And I've told that story a couple of times. No one like believes us. You did tryouts. We we did full on tryouts again because even with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because been a long time. Right? It was a couple of things. So Jesse had reconnected with them, kind of, because him and Adam had a side project called Times of Grace that they toured on while Killswitch was. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So while Killswitch wasn't doing anything, um. Adam had reconnected with Jesse, and we managed that project. So when Howard left, there was this assumption, but there was a lot of things in the background that people didn't realize. Like, we kind of knew at the time, I'm not saying anything out of step, we kind of knew at the time that Jesse, in the beginning, wasn't really into doing the Howard songs, and I was kind of steadfast that, you know, that's an important era of the band, too. It's like just what Derek's doing, yeah. So my thing was, let's, you know, we got to try out people who want to do all of it. So we shouldn't, we, you know, yeah. we shouldn't do it. Um, another thing that came up was they were, they were having an anniversary of the Jesse record. I think it was 10 years. So there was a thought about touring on that while they figure out the next singer. Mm-hmm. And I said that's a bad idea because, and I think the record was written already, also music-wise. I said that's a bad idea because how do you bring in someone new after you've just done an anniversary yeah. tour with your old singer? Yeah. So, and this was behind the scenes stuff. I don't think it was known that Howard was out of the band yet. So then, when we when it got announced that Howard was out of the band, um, I remember I was in the city with Adam. We were meeting at the label. We they knew this announcement was coming. It's still on Roadrunner. Still on Roadrunner okay. at the time. And I remember our phones going to the roof. And um, then at some point, Jesse reached out to Adam. And I, I could say this. Jesse won't be mad at me. But I, I said, right now, it's not a good idea. He doesn't want to do that stuff. and you know, So we set up these tryouts. And before we had them, 
at some point, Jesse called me and he was like, you know, because now, obviously I knew him when he was in the band in the beginning, but then I also spent like a year and a half of him now with the side project. So, you know, at this point we're really reconnected. And he called me and he's like, you know, I'm having a different take on this stuff. He's like, I listened to the stuff and, oh, that's cool. and um, you know, he didn't think he could sing it. He didn't think he could. He didn't write the lyrics. He's never really sung songs. He didn't write. With, that he didn't write. But he's finding the relatable piece of it. And he says, you know what? I want to give it a shot. And to his credit, like, I told him, like, listen, we're trying out a bunch of people. <laughs> he's like, I get it. It's the right thing to do. You know, let's do it. And we did. We got another room in New York. We tried out a bunch of people. And I remember we... uh we no one knew he was trying out no one else knew um you know singers are kind of crossing each other out as a you know one guy's walking in another guy's walking out i had him like meet me on a corner like four (laughs) blocks away and we kind of waited till nobody because we don't want to especially if he especially if it wasn't going to happen you know we don't want you know and i remember we Gitter at this point wasn't at the label anymore so monty kind of was going to take over as a and r I remember he was in the room. I remember he sang uh, two songs. I remember we all just looked at each other like, yeah. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, this, this, is, this is it. And then they did, which was kind of gave me chills. And they're like, oh, let's jam a couple of the old songs. And they did. Wow. Right. You know, that was um, it. Yeah. I, m- I remember real quick, Todd Morse was walking in to try out for Offspring and Todd Youth was walking out. Rest in peace, Todd Youth. Yeah, she always story. sees people coming in for auditions yeah. and we knew some people auditioned for Sepatora too, but yeah, yep. it's interesting. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Wow, so how long have you with Killswitch for So now? Killswitch, we've been together now for 22 Jeez, years. Wow. bro. Oh, my and, God. And, you know, and they were definitely the ones that I kind of, like, again, I got to, you know, that first record. All the records, honestly, were kind of difficult to make for a number of reasons. That that first record uh, on Roadrunner was tough. Then the second record was the first one with Howard. He'd been in the band for two years. We hadn't made a record with them. Right. So that was that had some obstacles, and um, you know, it's so they were kind of the one. They mm-hmm. were kind of the one. They you know, that. we started right. making some money, um, and then during that time period, I remember we would get, you know, because they were kind of like they were kind of a part of a scene. Yeah, you know, it was it was like these bands that were, you know, inspired by hardcore, um, but also into metal. I mean, I guess in the scope people call it metalcore but yeah. I, you know I, I, i'm not a fan of those kind of words but it was this scene of kids playing heavy music that were heavily influenced by hardcore and it, you know it's kill switch and lamb of god and shadows yeah. fall and it was all these Shadow bands fall, yeah. That's right. and um you know we started to get you know other bands that sounded like those bands what are some other bands and i mean honestly a lot of the bands I wasn't into because they kind of too similar. They were too similar, right? And mm. you know they weren't really doing anything different. And especially at that time, I, I you know I, I had a lot of idealism in me. I really wanted to work with things that I was kind of passionate about. Yeah. Um, but as I lay dying was probably that next band. Oh, well, that's right. That's, that that's someone right. sent it to me, and it it. It was similar, but it was different, and you know, and that was kind of like the next one. Wow! And I worked with them for 
eight years. Wow. Um, and they were like a really, you know, it was like a strong eight years. Like they were, you know, I wasn't with them during the the first controversial period, but. So once you're with Killswitch, things change. It becomes like a career, making money and all that yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, it was always a career. I don't know about, what you know, you mean, like actually, but, making, but making money, right. you know. The, so the joke that I always tell people is when I quit that job and went on tour with you guys, <laughs> I said, I'm giving myself a year. And if I'm a year not making money, I can get one of these crappy jobs I'm doing that I was doing at the time. And then a year... I still wasn't, well, five years later, I still wasn't really making any money. <laughs> but, you know, I was just passionate about what I was doing. And right, I just right. believed in it. Yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought if I stuck around, something would happen. Um, and you feel like something has happened. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, you know, um, a person of color from Left Rack City in Queens, New York, and, like, I work with, Hard rock bands, singer songwriters, uh, hip hop. I've been all over the world. I mean, it's you did the Coconuts too for a second. Right? I did the Coconuts in, in the beginning. Last. In the in the beginning. Wow. Yeah, we, so that was hip hop stuff. I'd like guys. to say that we kind of put that on the map in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. um, we work with a band now, the Oxymorons, that kind of have a. I heard about those hip-hop. guys. Yeah, they're they're incredible. Um, they're starting to kind of make some noise now. Vakoya. Um, Koyo from Long Island. So now my the, not, uh, the career is kind of transitioned. It started, you know, started, you know, it's Kenny and myself, and then you know we had different partners over the years. Trevor Sims yep. worked with us for a while. Tim quit booking for a little while, yep. worked with us. We merged with the people at Ferret at one point, but now we're like it's like eight or nine people, hundred percent independent. 100% independent. Um, we have younger managers. So, you know, Working with James, who works with us, manages Koyo and Drain. Yeah, how many people are on the, the roster? You know, I forget sometimes. I, it's kind <laughs> well, of it's bad. Not many. Well, what's weird about it is it's it's a few, but it's also, there's a lot of us now. So okay. now it's now it's Kenny, myself. No, I, I'm, I'm, talk- I'm sorry. How many people are, are you managing? Like, it's for- Well, it's for me personally. It's probably well. I can't even say me personally. The company is nine people. Mm-hmm. the The roster is probably forty bands. Wow! On the um, same place, bands. same place. Margin managing. Yeah. Same place at the like, Wow. Yeah, like same lot. company. But you know, some of the things are side projects. Right. You know, not everything is active at the same time. Um, but we have like a staff too. Like there's. There we have, you know, there's three partners. There's three other younger managers. There's, mm-hmm. there's like a web person, which is, and this right. is all kind of new for us. So I can't, like for me, at this stage of my career, I would never say that like I manage these bands. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, because, I, I mean, I'm at, I really, just being honest, like I, I get so focused on like when people are making records and when people are about to go on tour like I get so focused on very particular things that I need I need a team yeah I I need people to you know catch the things before they fall is there a Um, big difference now I was gonna ask you that with the way digital just everything the music is or no oh no I was gonna ask about like the 
like when there's like a young band and and back in the day i know there was like these big advances that the labels are giving mm. and then once the whole technology changed did you notice something with the advances and 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 I mean, what would you suggest for like a young band that's like, oh, they're gonna give us this money, blah blah blah. I mean, Honestly, what would you suggest now? My thing now with younger bands is, you know, the listen, the advances are not what they used to be. No. But in some cases, you're giving up even more for the small advance that you're getting. Like, sure. you know, they want piece of publishing in cases, want piece Merch. of merchandise. With everything the way that it is with the internet. I tell people, like, the thing that I still hold to from the old days is keep some sort of a DIY ethic. And that's, you know, because of the worlds that we come from, that's what I know. Right. Yeah. And I tell these bands, like, you know, you can put music out on your own now. Right. You can try. It's a little harder, but you, depending on where you are. But you can try to develop some sort of a local scene or play locally. You can get on gigs with bigger bands locally you got try to build something for yourself so that when you're trying to get a record deal you have you're coming with something right and you can kind of command you know something more than what they're going to give you Mm -hmm. so like when bands come to me and they're like well i need help getting a record deal i'll tell them you're going to get a shitty deal right now and and even for like a manager like you know you're going to get a shitty deal. You're going to give up rights. And you could be in a spot where you're doing, where you can have a decent draw or you, you, you've, you've got music that people are consuming and you're not making the money that you should be making. So honestly, for me, it's even a red flag now when a band is just concerned about like, a yeah. deal when they don't have anything going on. Like My thing is have, like, have something going on. like Create something. And, and I come from an era... Where bands did it every day, and you, and there are bands that do it now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just maybe not as many because I think people see the path a lot faster. But like to get a ten thousand dollar advance, getting paid a royalty if you make royalties of pennies on the dollar. So you know, five thousand dollar advance, you're getting twelve cents um, a record if you recoup. If you recoup and. Yeah. And and record labels are gonna hate me for this, but <laughs> it's the one business where if you buy a house and let's say you have a high interest rate, you take a mortgage, you put some money down, you have a high interest rate, whatever. When you pay it off, the house is yours. Right. This is the only business where you pay it off and then you get, get then you get to get paid pennies on the dollar. Right. You don't Which a lot it. of people don't understand. Yeah, it's totally yeah. yeah. I mean Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. So we actually, as a company, we we did a deal with the Orchard uh, a couple of years ago to, like, if we see people that maybe they have a little something going on, but not enough to get a good record deal. And this could be for bands that we manage or, or bands that we're, we're going to manage or, or just friends that we think the music's great. We did a <clears> deal <throat> so that we could put music out through the orchard the orchard is a distributor that's cool that doesn't own any masters and the way we do the way we structure it is you know you put music out to help you get up off the ground you go tour or whatever and if a label wants to come sign you and give you a good deal you know you can take 
you know, with, with the way this all works now, the, that label can take over whatever we put out and just like take it with yeah, them. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. And just to kind of help get some things off the ground, it's like another arm of like just trying to like build something because that's that's what I know is building something from the ground up. Right. Um. But yeah, it's 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 really different now, and it, and it's it's more expensive. It's expensive to tour. It's so expensive to um, tour, especially come out of the pandemic too. Yeah, it's really different. Yeah. Yeah. So lots changed. You know, I I think what we've always tried to keep within us is just like that DIY Mentality. attitude of like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, okay, how do we do this? How do we do this? Right. And if someone comes in and wants to help, great. But regardless of that, like how do we, how do we get it from here to there? Because the reality in this business is once you get it from here to there, everybody's interested once you yeah. get something going on. Right. Oh yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. comes out of the woodworks. Yep. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I'm sure he's still learning as being a manager too because everything's changing. I tell people all the time, if you meet anyone who knows everything, then know they know nothing. Because everything is changing every second. I'm struggling to keep up. And that's another reason why it's important that we have some young people with us. Yeah. Because you know what? I'm just not... Every single internet trick that changes, I'm, I can't keep up with it. Yeah. I, I can't keep up. Physically can't. Keep can't. Up. Physically no, can't. Um. So yeah, it's it's and 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 that keeps me young, honestly. It keeps yeah, me young. Sure. It, it 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 and there's a bunch of us, you know. There's a bunch of us, you know. You Team. guys doing what you do, you know. You're mentioning Mike Gitter before, still at shows. Yeah, man, still at shows. It's like there's a bunch of us that are like are. You still go to shows? Thing. Yeah, yeah. I I go. I do a lot of things. I go. Obviously, we have a a roster. You know, I have the bands that I work with, but I also try to go. To, to see what the younger guys like are doing. Right like you're doing exactly. right now. I'm out here in LA. Here Drain. To see Drain. Incredible last night. It's going to be great tonight Incredible too. band. Played last night. Playing tonight in LA. And that's not a band that I personally manage. But it's someone that... Part of the team, man. It's part of the fan, team. Yeah. And, and I like to think that like my experience can help him and help the band. 100%. Um, and that's the one kind of... That's the different role it's it's weird like to be like the the OG yeah it's 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 <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's bizarre no, you but, that, man. so there's that and then i also still go things to go to see things that inspire me you know you i saw i saw the i saw the cure two nights ago amazing um how about that encore it's like every banger every song oh ever written gosh, it's incredible like, the yeah, encore. And, I played, and i played for like 2 hours and 45 yeah, minutes um you know i'm going to you know when you two plays in vegas i'm going to go to that like i you know, not only am I a You're fan. You're a fan of Coldplay in L.A., maybe. I'm definitely going to Coldplay in L.A. We got to talk about Let's that. Let's talk about that yeah. off the pod. Yeah, I'm working on that. Um, but I'm still a fan, but I'm also, at this stage now, I'm inspired. You know, going to see Sepultura a couple weeks ago in New yeah, York. Yeah, man. See, my man Derek's still doing that shit that's, at 58. That's, killing that's it, man. That's been around. 58. You know, <laughs> terrible. 58, man. Come on. 48. Spring it down, so. <laughs> You know, I mean, but you know, I, I, you know, not just because you're here, but it's a band that's been around for a long Hell time. Yeah. I think I even asked you, like, can you manage us, man? We need some help at one point. Like, Sepultura? Yeah. I don't, what? I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> really? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, we were man. going through like horrible, really, ma- and it's a, a mess. Got it you. was a mess from the whole everything that was happening, and that's when you remember. Yeah. And it was I don't remember that because Toby, I remember. You were working with them, yep. and then all those all the, 
other friends yeah, that we met, yeah, and yeah. I was like, ooh, if he could yeah. deal with, you know, all the drama that's yeah. surrounding, I was like, maybe we, uh, uh, it's just like really damn difficult yeah. time because yeah. we had lost the management, Ratchet, we had gotcha. lost like that connection with the label right. where they weren't believing in us. Right. So it was, you know, a lot of people just like, oh man. I mean, that alone, that's it, that's inspiring because we're talking, you know, that's twenty some odd years ago, right? Yeah, and here you are, and this band is as relevant as I've ever been and will blow any band off the stage. I mean, the Facts. show in New York was just out of I saw control. a bunch of young kids yeah. there too, like young kids. A bunch kids. of young yeah, kids. it's nice, man. And, you know, so that, like, I'm inspired by all of that. It mm-hmm. makes me go back and do what I do. So it's not only just for my own enjoyment, it's also, like, every band has a story. Right, you know? absolutely. And I, and I appreciate it because I'm... I deal with other bands that have a story, and I appreciate everybody's story, and I'm inspired by all of it. You're a big uh, part of our story. Yeah. I mean, you guys it's crazy, are- crazy, man. You guys are, I mean, I wouldn't literally be doing what I was doing if you guys Didn't in a band in you. were like, yeah, you're managing us. You know? yeah, kind of crazy, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. I mean, just to be clear here what I'm saying, I mean, <laughs> like- I did not ask to manage you guys. You guys, <laughs> you guys were literally like, "You're managing us," and I remember. As a matter of fact, yeah, and I and I and like you I wouldn't be no. here, and I didn't say no. That's all. All I did was I didn't say no. <laughs> you know, well, and, I'm honored um, that that to be part of your life too, yeah, your career. You know, yeah. like it's been such a long journey, man. I tell people that all the time. There's no there's uh, there's no story without H two O. There's no story to tell. Wow. And to that the point where even even the name of the, the company. Strong. You know, uh, right. the company initially was called Strong Management. Now, Toby was the one who, you know, you guys developed a strong. It was strong black management. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Shit's hard. Yeah. And, and then at some point I'm like, you know. I think that's the name, but I gotta take the black out. You know, was it too black? Too strong? What was that? Too black? black, Too strong? Too strong? Too black? No, 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 next clan. No, no. What was it? Public enemy. Public enemy. Public enemy. Yeah, yeah. Dang. uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm proud to have you guys as part of this this journey. I mean, I'm so happy you're still doing it, man. You're out here. It's like it's amazing, man. I'm happy that you guys are still doing it. Sorry about, <laughs> sorry about your hair and H2O. Wow. Hair take on them all because H2O. Had to, bring, had to bring that all in. <laughs> so Vaughn is right. like that. That's all right. You know, I mean, listen, it wasn't just you. I, mean, I know. Oh, yeah. Wait, know, wait, wait. We had scarred after Jim, that, too. Jimmy and wow. Isaac have to take a little Jimmy, bit of a... Yeah. We had Isaac and scarred after that, too. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't tell any of those stories. Nah, I know. Those are for a movie or book someday. With no names mentioned. No names mentioned. Characters changed. I'm yeah. honored to be a part of your legacy, though. It's awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. What do you What uh, do you do for yourself? What do you do as far as like taking care of yourself and your time for yourself? You know, that's I'm I'm, I'm learning about that every day. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've tried to take a lot. You know, I I, I work out with a trainer three times a week. Yes. I um, I try to meditate when I can. Are you a veggie lifestyle? Um, pescatarian. Sick. But mostly. Cut down on the fish a ton. Um, you know, as you get older, you just learn certain things. I'm, I'm like, you know, you're, you're not allergic to things, right? But there's a certain things you shouldn't be putting in your body because Facts. it's different. Um, you know, I, I have to, for what I do, I have to try to keep myself like as young as possible. Let's keep up, man. Um, I have to keep up. It's a young man's game. Um, I can't let young these kids. I can't let That's these right, kids. 
Can't let these kids run circles around me. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, hell no. The hells no. <laughs> um, but, uh, and honestly, look, the reality is a lot of what I enjoy is rooted around what I do. Totally right. do what you love. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. going to shows. And that will yeah. keep you very youthful. Totally. Yes. Yes. Doing what you love. Yes, yes. Do you have any, have any major regrets in your life? No, I, I, you know, I guess it's a cliche thing to say. I learn from everything, you know. That's what um, people say, yeah. Living, you um, learn. You live and you learn. Um, I can't say I have any regrets, you know. Maybe I wish we had another year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe if we had another maybe year. Maybe I wish I signed MCA. You, know, you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, woulda, coulda, coulda, shoulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know. That's, that's a good one. Um, right. I, am pr- I am proud that, like, and this really, I mean, I'm proud that we have been able to keep our friendship going same for all and like we were friends i mean we were friends before i you know i mean i'm a manager because of you but, before, like, but we're the first ones before anybody in the band i think right? yeah, yeah yeah no absolutely and we're absolutely. still we're a 30 year 30 year old band next year man yeah it's crazy it's crazy how crazy man. is that it's, crazy, it's crazy. wild how man crazy is that it's insane um, <laughs> see i no, no regrets and i just you know just want to keep in the world we're living in right now i just want to keep Doing what I'm doing, staying positive. You know, um, you know, as you get older, it definitely it doesn't get easier. Yeah, but there's a lot more clarity. You know, mm. there's a lot more understanding about what it takes and who you are and what you need to do and who you need to be. Yeah, um, and you know, just bringing it all back. I mean, that's what I cherish getting from this world that we came from is like, just be the best you, you can be. And yeah. And you be know, true to yourself, be true to yourself. And people have to accept that. Yeah. Um, You've always been that way. Yeah. I tried. I tried. And you're an optimist too, right? You've always been positive. Yes. Um, I think you have to be, especially now you have to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> been through a lot of shit in yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have to be, you always have to be looking forward and looking about how you're going to make things better. Yeah, and how you're going to be positive and be there for? I mean, look at what's look at what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. we, there's so much negativity. Um, you know, we all to some degree struggle with like our mental health. Totally. So we have to be. We have to figure out how to be positive and how to like keep moving life forward in a healthy and positive way. Yeah. And you know, honestly, you know, we're the you know, I, I almost envision it as we're the ones that. We're gonna help other people, you yeah. know, and um, hundred percent. Yeah, is there yeah. a band you wish you could have worked with or still want to work with? Yeah, your dream band. I mean, band band? I mean, you blew with Sepultura, I guess uh, we just heard yeah. that. But yeah, I, don't, I don't remember that. I can't imagine me not doing that. I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> you blew it. kidding. <laughs> Any dream bands or? You gotta, you know, my friends laugh at me. Um, Let's get it. Yeah. Is it Billy Joel? Billy Joel. I mean, I manage Billy Joel. Um, oh, I said that. I love Billy Joel. Come on, man. Outside of just some, you know, some bizarre views, sometimes uh, I'm a massive Morrissey fan. Okay. Okay. And you know, the, that'd be sick to work with the, him. For the, you. the 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 crazy part. Did you put him in check? Yeah. Well, the the thing is, the thing is, like in my mind, <laughs> I could get him to listen. Yeah. In the right direction. Whether that's actually true or not is a whole Have other a serious conversation thing. With but him, in my like mind. Save him. I could sit him down and wow. and, and get him right. Respect. So, mm-hmm. so Marcy, 
Really? Huh. If you listen, he's a big listener from the podcast. <laughs> no hip hop acts. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I love J Cole. I love J Cole too. I love J Cole. He's. Oh, I don't. I, I don't I know his Derek manager. To, I Derek on to him. I don't know his manager, but his manager is a Queens dude Sick. who I think went to St. John's with him. That's amazing. I love J. And Cole was too. just kind of there, and now manages him. I'm excited so for his next thing comes I'm out. I'm really excited for that. I off the grid. Great. I love that he just I, does his thing in the Carolinas. I, he just he does his thing. He doesn't follow. Nah. Any Billy on social media trend on what's going on? Nah. Billy on social media hops in when the record comes out and he, and and live he Incredible. crushes, crushes, crushes. How about Kendrick? Um, of course. I mean. <laughs> yeah, last record's incredible. It's like poetry, man. Hit that show. Did you, did you see the show? Incredible. Yeah, the show. Insane. Yeah, went out there. Yeah, it was insane. incredible, man. Insane. Insane. It was really good. So you have some. Uh, uh, you listen to new hip hop too? Yeah, I do. I definitely am not. I do. But I'm not, I feel like hip hop moves fast. It does. So when I think I'm listening to what's new, I'll <laughs> J. be Cole somewhere. J. Cole's like OG now. Yeah, yeah, J. Cole's Kendrick OG. too. But they'll be, they'll, when I think I'm current, you know, there'll be some stuff that like, yeah. I'm like, I haven't heard this. True. Um, so I don't know if what, like, uh, I'm trying to think of what's, what I, you know. I actually like Drake. I know that's not like a uh, cool no, I like Drake. thing to say. I love Drake. I think he doesn't get the credit lyrically i mean i just i, like I think some of his lyrics think, are insane super talented um you know i'm definitely i'll listen to it but i at this stage of my life i i i want to have some hope in my music there's got to be so so i i'm definitely struggling with the stuff that's like really negative yes. where, there, where there's no Hope in it, like, because even mm. even with, like, even like gangster rap in the nineties, it was, it was a combination of telling people what was going on, but there was always like some hope in it somehow. Getting out right. of it, you right. know, getting out of it, making a change um, in the world. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, and yeah. I think, and I do think that with some other stuff now, it's 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 missing the hope, and that's true. And this is where maybe I sound old, but I I you know like if there's so much negativity. And so many young people listening to it, at some point, it it has an effect. Yeah, I agree. I, I um, agree. Definitely. I mean, it's it's easy to put out point out all the negatives all the time. You know, it's just yeah. yeah I that, agree with that. That's, it's much more of a challenge to come yeah. off strong in in the time when there is so much negativity going yeah. around. I mean, I mean, Nas. It's a perfect example. Like the first record. It, it, yeah, man. He's telling you what was going on, but there was hope around it. Mm-hmm. He's another one. He's another one. And now with King's I'd Disease, those part ones and part twos, he's still staying he's relevant. Still, yeah. Still yeah. creating. Yeah, he, he's incredible. He's, I would, you know, love to manage Nas. Yeah. Or maybe not just still be a fan, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how, how come he never tried to play music or anything or sing or play guitar? Or? You know, early on, I never, like, so I play. I played, like, uh, I played piano for a long time. I was, yeah. actually, I was actually pretty good. I played for 10 years. I, wow. I did, like, See? a... Um, I did like a, let me be clear so it doesn't get confused. It was like a student recital thing at, at Carnegie Hall when I was like 10. It's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. But it was weird. Like I, I I guess I didn't love the piano, but I was really good at it. That's awesome. And then all through junior high school and high school, I played French horn. So I wow. played in like, that, man. That question, like, at our, like at our high school graduation, I played uh, like the mayor. <laughs> 
<laughs> Come on, bro. Well, was shit. on was on stage, and I'm like French horn. I was playing French horn in the. I was like for graduation. I didn't sit. I w- as a graduate, yeah. I sat in the band with like the mayor uh, and you, the governor and the governor. Which mayor? Would you please please? This was. You'd be doing us a really big favor. Deegan, Deegan, what's was his it name? Dinkins? Dinkins, we'd be doing no, I think favor. it was Koch. I think oh, it was Koch. Mayor it Koch. Was Koch wow, and, and Governor Cuomo. That's fucking yeah. sick, bro. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that early on, I just kind of figured out that the business side of it. It's you, man. Yeah. Was more what I was like. Wrecking really couple people are shady. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever try skateboarding? Things with wheels on, them, on my feet don't... Uh, okay, not roller skating, uh, yeah. rollerblading, no. skateboarding. I, I skated once and that was... Uh, I mean, I can, I can get... <laughs> it's coming back at her too. I can get... I, I swear to God, it is. <laughs> I, I skated once. That was funny. I skied a couple times. I skied once, not a couple times. How I'm about not, sports, guys? Lie. Sports for you. I mean, I, I wasn't like um, organized, but I was athletic. You know, I played football, I played Sick. baseball. I played... I mean, I'm, I'm into sports. Like, I like... I like watching sports. Um, I don't like the the super jock aspect of it, but I like the competition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, I, a lot of basketball, um, but music is definitely like your love, number yeah, one love. Yeah, like I as a as an only child, like I'd sit in my living room when my parents went home, listening to records. Yeah, it's before obvious. before I would hang out outside and. Cool. Sports, you know? How'd you make? How'd you make it to your fifties with no tattoos? <laughs> I almost got one. Wow! I almost got one on the Bear and Water tour. I two times. The one we all got matching yeah, with the bands. Yeah. Two times, and I and I almost got. I don't know if this is a bad thing to say. I don't know if I'd get in trouble for this. I almost got a U.S. Ducks tattoo. Wow! Um, this guy's about to get jumped in on here. Two times. <laughs> two times I was on a table, so we were all in Kansas City. What? Because you all got the beer water tour in Kansas City. Yeah. As a tour manager, I went last. <laughs> I was on the table, and there was something going on. Everybody wanted to go somewhere, so I didn't. I, I didn't get it. And <laughs> Maybe then, it's better that happened. And then right. there was once in DC. Jinx proof tattoos. Jinx proof tattoos. You guys were all kind of daring me, and Hardcore was like, "I'll do it." <laughs> what was the tattoo? And I think Adam got. I think Adam US got it dogs. at this point. And I'm like, "I'll do it." And I got on the table, and then something happened. Where everybody needed to go somewhere. So it wasn't meant to be, really. Maybe it wasn't meant yeah. to be. My thing with tattoos is this: I know I, I I have a problem figuring out like the one thing that I want. Yeah. But I know that the minute I it's like buying a record. I know the minute I get, get one that bug, man, gonna want more. That I'll be covered in in a year. Yeah. So it could still happen, but so far. So I've you might never say never for tattoos. I never say never. Never say it could still happen. I just know that if, like, I don't do anything a little bit. If, if H2O makes a new record, it's been eight years since um, Use Your Voice. Sure. Uh, we've done eight years between Go, Nothing to Prove, Use Your Voice, Don't Don't Look at Your Roots. We'd be our manager again? Wow. Sure. On, there, on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Would you still heard it for here. A, for a next record deal? That'd be so sick. Why You're not? Right. You heard it right I'll here. I'll go back on Epitaph. Who knows, man? What if I go back on Epitaph? You never know. I'd, I'd love to be in you. At the very minimum, I'd love to be involved with you guys making a record. I tell you this, man, and I said this to you last night. There is a thing that happens when these young bands are out there creating a, a vibe 
for a scene. It's beautiful. And you see it in all different kinds around of music. Around the whole world right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but even with all different styles of music, you see where bands that stay around, when younger bands kind of come in, come in and... And we're not bitter and we're not... Living in the past, and we're not gatekeepers. And you're, and you're, and you're, and you're. I support all the young. And you're, and you support exactly. Right. I'm on my pod, everything. So there is a platform for you guys when you make another record, where you're gonna have a whole new generation and scene that's gonna support it. And my son on drums. Yeah. And your son on drums. It's gonna be. I mean, something. Just to kind of flip it, you look at a band like a Sepultura, who you know had a singer change and had yes. a, a, a little bit of a rough middle period. And then, but then there's a whole generation of bands in that scene. You only know Sepatora when Derek's in it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. and they've kept themselves to a point where they can still play yeah. and they're still in shape. So now you're seeing this embracement shape, by all these younger kids. Facts. Is, yeah. So they feel the love too, and, and they feel seen. Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm gonna talk about this now because I, this is gonna come out before then. But I get a DM yesterday from Flat Spot Records, who right now has Scow, has Speed, has Drain, has um, Section Hate, has he's, Zulu, he's killing it. And it's our friend he's Ricky killing it. from Ricky Backtrack. He's killing it. The singer from Backtrack, Vitalo, mm-hmm. manages Turnstile. Knock Loose and Turnstile yep. for the Jump. Yep. Hardcore kids from Long Island. Yep. I get a DM saying, "Yo." What's your booking agent's email address? I'm like, this is cool. Like, what's this about? Two seconds later, I get an insane offer to headline Disturbing the Peace January 2024 for for um, Flat Spot Record Showcase. That's amazing. Biohazard One Night, H for the Second, in Baltimore, where we haven't played in years. Wow. But it's it's their festival. So Adam hit me up. He's like, yo, this is crazy. I said, fuck the money. It's a great offer. That's great. Right. But being seen and acknowledged as a band that's 30 years old next year, asking yes. us to headline their festival. I was like almost emotional. I text Ricky immediately. He's like, yo, my partner DM'd you. That means a lot. That For us to be seen as a band that still people care about, because yeah. I, I get in my head sometimes. We don't tour as much. We, we tour. We go have fun. Yeah. It's not a full-time thing for me no more. But for Flat Spot Records to ask us, I was fucking floored yesterday i feel like holy shit yeah this is beautiful now that's next year i'm looking forward to it already yeah. because trapped under ice just headlined it this year mm-hmm. and it's in baltimore and so that to me means oh shit this is nice oh, like, yeah. we see each other yeah. like i love all their bands i go see their bands i'm on the pod like i love the new scene and i feel like we might have our foot half and half out of the hardcore in this at this point in time in our 50s we still play we play with gorilla biscuits we yeah. have these cool shows we're not a full-time band but we're still i'm still here yep. doing this yep. talking to people it, it felt so awesome man and you're still out and about you're still i'm still out there in the yeah. mix and it, i had to explain to adam like yo this is adam keeps his eye and ear to the street but i'm really in the mix with yeah. this like yo this is a big deal this is asking us to play this next year yeah. i'm really excited man That's i mean dope. you guys have to do another record one hundred percent. Even like a couple of songs, EP before, or something. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, like, I think there's got to be something. Yeah, have an to. EP would be great. With, I want to do something with my son. Like record something. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, you have to. And again, there's a whole thing. A right whole now. new world. A whole new world. Whole new set of kids. Yeah, it's you a beautiful know, time for hardcore. And like, is. I try to get Derek to come out because he's always back from tour for short periods of time. <laughs> go see Zula. Go see these bands. Yeah, and like, man. And, and it's insane. It's, insane. it's great to see, man. Like you're saying, the energy level is it's off the charts, and it brings me back to what it's all know, about. Being a fan of music and loving music. Last night, I never really forgot it, but yes. I 
That yes. energy is incredible. I wanted to go so bad. He's like, something to do. But last night, kids, <laughs> all different kids, different ages, diving, yeah, flipping, girls, singing along. Yeah, like, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Kids wearing, like, um, they have, like, the rubber thing for the pool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The floaties. The, 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 all, all the balloons. People yeah, dressed yeah, yeah. up. People doing car race. People yeah. shimmying across. New different yeah. dance styles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the, like, yo. Adam yeah, the, was like, ar- the army crawl on the army floor. Army crawl across <laughs> the ground. <laughs> what about? It was amazing. Adam's jaws dropped. I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is everything that I love about hardcore. And I feel, maybe I'm not right about this I feel Drain and Scow and all these bands whether they're friends or not connected it all falls under this turnstile umbrella where hardcore has gotten to this new level of yep. all kinds of people from just civilians to hardcore kids are all checking it out maybe because somebody in turnstile wore that shirt yep. or we saw it on the back of a record like how we found out about yes. it yeah. it's all organic yes. and I feel yep. like you've seen so many just kids yesterday like all different types of kids. All different types Going of kids. Going off, dude. And it's not, it's, it's you beautiful. Know, everybody's dressed differently. I yeah. know. Yeah. There's no they got their own style. judgment. They got their own style. It, it people really. People can just be themselves and be free as opposed to us coming up. Like, we separate the hardcore from the punk, from the yeah. pop music. Yeah. We yeah, liked yeah. it all. We went to hardcore and hip hop shows. It wasn't meshed. Exactly. And it's beautiful, dude. Like, the way it's thriving. I feel like as an elder hardcore statesman, elders or whatever. I love it. Taking <laughs> Derek to watch. Like, yo, this is fucking sick. I like, I'm it. excited for tonight. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I get inspired by that and that, yeah. that's going to make me doing a record and, and seeing my son stage diving to drain and yeah. loving those yeah. kids and like him schooling me to new music uh, it's, it's, crazy. It's, it's a beautiful time man uh, it makes me feel young it makes me yeah. feel reborn so like it's cool we're all part of this still like 30 years later yeah. it's, it's, it's a beautiful it's, thing it's, man it's a, it's a testament to this scene and this yeah right. and, and, to, and, and to us for continuing to do it you know, yeah, and still doing it good. And still doing You're good. still it's killing it. I feel young. I feel yeah. great seeing you perform. Fucking, yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah, but I could talk to you ten hours, yeah, but this, this was awesome. great. This was awesome. I know you're nervous, but it's just a conversation. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're awesome, man. <laughs> Once I got started, I was. This fine. is your life, Von Lewis. <laughs> this is your. And I'm honored to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, honored, I really uh, am, man. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of H2O story, and thank you. Thanks for. Uh, what do you think key is to your longevity? Why are you still here? Um, Besides loving music still, and you never got jaded or burnt. Yeah, you never got jaded from it. You yeah. never got bitter. I got close. And you had, there were, re- there were multiple, but you had reasons you could have. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. But you kept the you kept the PMA. Yeah. And yeah. you kept it going. I mean, listen. I knew that bitter. You know, you can't. And I tell people because you see what that done to other bands. Yes. Yes. You see what bitterness does to yes. people. I, I've I've seen it. We've seen it. I've firsthand. seen it. Um, and I never wanted to be that person. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think the other big part of it too is just always wanting to be the best that I can and never being But not satisfied. taking yourself too seriously too. Not, not taking, being too definitely harsh not taking myself to, definitely not taking myself too. I, honestly, that's a big part of it because that's when you that's when you expose yourself to things and other people that like, you know, if I look at myself like, oh, well, I've been doing this for X amount of years and I know everything. I'm not going to learn Facts. from these younger kids that are learning it differently that's and some, bring that's something some relevant to the do table. As well. Right, mm-hmm. right. They stay in this this uh, time zone. They stay in this, like, fucking twi- yeah. like, this time period, like yeah. not yeah. moving along with everything. Yeah. I, I have this thing. Staying like, relevant and current. I have this thing that when I'm hanging out with young, sometimes you'll get a group of people together in the business. Maybe you go to dinner, you know, and there'll be someone maybe of your era and – They'll just talk and talk and talk and talk. And I, and then, like, when I'm around someone younger, I want to hear what they're thinking. Facts. And the best conversations are 
there are things that I want to know about what how they're coming about it, and then there'll be things that Same they want to know from where I'm coming from, and then you're just like, it's like an explosion of ideas and totally. thoughts. Yeah. And like, if I need to put myself in a situation like that at least like a couple times a month, where because I know I. I always look at myself, and this is this is like this weird thing, and this is maybe like a mental health thing. I always look at myself on a day to day basis, like I don't know anything, because everything is happening so damn fast, and and that's not true. I, I know it a lot. It keeps you humble and grounded, but though, it too. keeps me humble and grounded, and it keeps me learning. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think the biggest key is that I never got like caught up in myself. Mm-hmm. And you, and you um, went with the times. You were like, okay, it's digital now. There's no more CDs and yeah. all this stuff. The advancement, yeah. just everything about it. I think it. I've always made the right decisions as far as like moving forward. And the right team around you. Right right people around right. me. And the and the little things that I hold on to, those are good. Like yeah. the things that I, you know, like, you know, don't talk shit. Be direct. Like that I hold on to. And shout out to Kenny, man. Been there from the jump. I mean. Strong. Been there from the jump. The reality is none of this. It's possible without without him. I couldn't. Yep. Uh, Shout out to Kenny Gabor, man. We this. love you, Kenny yeah. Gabor. Yeah, you gotta, you're, you're, you're part of H Two O's history as well. Yes, man. yes, yes. Well, thank you, Von Lewis. Thank you, Toby. How was this is awesome. This is great. Yeah, dude, this, this is your, fuck, this yeah. your fucking this life. Is great. This is great. And I'm glad Derek. <laughs> I, I said to him yesterday, yeah, I'm, getting the, full, gonna be there, I'm yeah. getting the full treatment. Is Derek <laughs> yeah, going to be there? The Chappelle, where are you? Next time, Chappelle. Well, I want this because we all go back. Yes, yes. Right. This is special, and like. The gem I get from this is that yeah. you dropped the ball for Sepultura <laughs> and that and that and that you were a big part of H2O, man. You sacrificed a lot and you let us believe in you and you believed in us. You took a fucking chance. Thank one you. life, one chance. Thank you. And look where you are now. Yeah. One one funny quick story. I remember one of Let's my go, first my first solo H2O road trip. I'm scared. I oh, yeah. went to I took the train. It was my first second job. I took the bus. Took the 60 bus. You guys were playing Philly with Shelter and Downset, I think. Yep. I took the the bus Sick show. out to that show. I think was it was that truck show. There? At the truck. You were yes. there. I was there. Yes. You were? Yes. What were you doing there? Hanging out? He, 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 he went with you guys. I went with you guys. He went with you guys. He went with you guys. son. Let's I go. Took the, I took the bus after work. I knew he mentioned he wrote for us, but I couldn't remember and where. Adam was playing in Shelter then, was he? Or Adam was playing in Shelter. Yeah, yeah. Join us, yeah. Yep. I took the bus out to the show. Damn, son. I rode back in the van with all of you guys. <laughs> Who else was in the van, you think? It was it was Isaac too? No, okay. it was I think it was just Derek. It was I the did. band and Derek and me. You wow. you guys went out yourselves and then I and you guys gave yeah, me a ride. Yeah, that's a proof Derek was the roadie. You <laughs> dropped me off in the city at like four in the morning. I took a cab home and was up in three hours to go to work. Damn. Oh, man. Was it a good show? And this was before, this was before I managed. It was a great show. Are you kidding me? It was Damn. a sick show. But, Shout out know. to Philly and all the shows. Trying. Philly was great, Off man. the chain. But this Always goes back to, to us, us wow, and so before cool. I managed bands. Yeah. Dude, and here we are yeah. all wearing... I remember, we, I remember we were listening insane, to music on the way dude. back and we were, we, were, we were making fun of stuff. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I'm sure cracking on each here other. Here we are now all wearing, reading, all wearing glasses. <laughs> You and Derek a ball, but, but Derek can't grow hair. My hairline's still hanging in there. Well, we're still healthy and young, but we're all wearing fucking glasses. I, I literally remember you drawing the HTO design, like trying to figure That's out. That's amazing. Like, the, the water drop, maybe? The water drop. Yeah. The water drop yeah. with the HTO until you're like, look, check this out. 
I've been wow. drawing this like when you're at work, and I was like, eh, it's all right. Amazing. <laughs> Sharing each other's it's uh, it's dreams and visions at lunch on Prince Street. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to sell shoes forever. Yeah. That was like literally like, oh, yeah, this is happening. This is happening. And I worked in the mirror room, too. I was making stickers before we had a song. Yeah, the stickers. Right. I, was I, like, remember I was on that, that promo yeah. shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I was, yes. This is my stickers, my band. It's uh. coming soon. We have one song, My Love Is Real. It's yep. crazy. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Crazy. Insanity. <laughs> How life yeah. goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're still all connected. Amazing. And tonight, Vaughn's going to do a stage dive for Drain. I hope so. Man. You know, I've only ever done one stage dive. When? I'll dance, but I've, never, I've only done one H2O? stage dive at Tramps. Wow. Thank you, man. Hard hard call. (laughs) Bent over and you jumped off his back. I jumped off his back. (laughs) Was it Tramps? There's so many Tramp shows, but Tramps was our shit. Shout out to Tramps. You didn't mention Tramps. No barricade played with no doubt. Headline there many times with Ignite, with Crown of Thorns, with Fahrenheit. Record release party for $3.33. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those Tramp shows. We would. (laughs) Off the chain. Like. The people that work there would literally just like like Vaughn just just tell us who we need to let in because our, our list would get Off like chain, so bro. out of control and I would hide I would hide they didn't want anyone to see me in well, the there window. There were no phones back then to be texting. Yeah, there were no phones. Good. There were no you phones. You could hide easier back uh, then. Definitely. Damn, uh, trans was just shit. Trans was great. Trans was they, cool. they they were great. I think one yeah. day, like after like maybe ten more years, we'll get back on and tell some really gritty stories. Yeah, and then yeah. we'll. We'll like we'll move somewhere off the grid, nobody can find us, and we can tell so many stories though, but so many names involved. We've seen and experienced so much crazy shit. I'm just getting the podcast like this. Thankfully, there was no phones back then. Yeah, true. Thank the Lord Goodness. or whatever you believe in. There was no phones. But we lived yeah. in the moment. We had these crazy yeah. stories that people can only hear and retell these same stories that have been changed throughout the years. It yep. got more crazy or less crazy or yep. less people involved, but we've seen some amazing shit, dude. Yes, we have. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. On that note, Definitely love you, Vaughn Lewis, man. Love you too, Toby. I, love you, Derek. Thank you, guys. Can people reach out to you on social media? Do, do people DM you, answer your DMs, or you yeah, talk to people? Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. All right. At, at Vaughn Lewis uh, on Twitter and, and um, Instagram. And if there's bands that want you to manage them, what's the best way they can give you a phone number out right now? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what you, that's what he used to do back, back in the day. That's what he used to do back in the day. He would just give out my number. Yeah, man. Give business cards and shit like that, too. Can't be doing that. Yeah, Yeah, just I mean, our our company is Unchained, Unchained Management, so it's UnchainedHQ.com. Unchained HQ. When did Strong Management dead? When did you dead that? Um, two. I didn't know. Two thousand twenty. Is it still trademarked and LLC'd? What strong? Because I thought about starting a new management company. Me and uh, Derek. Strong still exists. Strong Strong still exists. (laughs) Strong still exists in the ether. So when when we merged, we merged with our third partner. We dropped both of our names and strong black and white management. Strong, strong black, black and white management. We're about to start that shit. We don't. We start going after Bond's bands, right? <laughs> like, what are you gonna offer us? It was like, well, we got liquid tears. We got Mars. We got some headphones. We got some. We got support and love. <laughs> support, love, water, and headphones. We open up for bands for free. <laughs> that's fucked up. But but that that stays somewhere. Strong, strong is still in the yeah. Strong is still in the ether. Yeah. Nice. Damn. Yeah, the pre the pre company bands are still technically strong bands. Still, all right. Well, I'm yeah. part of that somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> you named it. Kenny's on the back of the first H Tour record. 
Yes. And the yes. crowd from the, the Roseland crowd, show. Roseland. We opened up for social distortion or something. I don't know. No, <laughs> no, it was before. I really thought you took that photo. No, that was before. I was before I managed you guys. All right. That was with. And he's in the crowd as a fan of the band. Yeah, we were fans. Wow. I, I'm, I was there. I, I just, knew you were. Yeah. I just wasn't. With he you. wasn't where he was. Yeah, we were fans. That was with Rancid. Damn. Right? You play Rancid? Yeah, yeah. Ran- yeah. <laughs> so that was like nine. That was before. That was when Madonna was trying to sign him and she was yeah. in the VIP section. I saw her sitting there while we were playing and my wife was behind a point. This is Madonna. And I was like, holy shit. She was sitting in the VIP section. That's crazy. Section. Yeah. Crazy, man. We have so many stories. So days, many stories. Man. Derek's hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have to go to the Genius Bar and get my phone fixed. Oh, oh man. But yo. We did this two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, boom. It's your life, son. This, this is your no, life. No, it's so cute. That's it, Vaughn's like, I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm like, bro, I'm the closest person you know in the whole world that has a podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on blast. And plus, we can edit things. Plus, Joe Vasian's listening. I knew this was going to be awesome. Face-to-face uh, is way better great. than a phone no, call. Totally. totally. And I, I, I'm on my third day of a juice cleanse. I've had caffeine twice today. Wow. I almost pissed my ass at the dentist this morning. I'm good. <laughs> oh, ooh. But I'm actually wanting to eat with some food. We have to go eat now, too. He can't eat with me now. I can't eat Damn. with you now. I'm sorry. Son. All right. Vaughn, love you. Love you, Toby. Thank you We're so much. We're going to be chilling this tonight. Awesome. Yes. Bye. Hardcore. Peace. Bye-bye. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had laser treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.